This podcast is brought to you by the team at New Zealand Trucking Magazine. Remember to get your hands on the latest issue from your favourite retailer or subscribe now at nztrucking.co.nz. Keep on moving. The official podcast of New Zealand Trucking Media. Here's Dave McCoy and Murray Lindsay. It is the Keep On Moving podcast, and it's the Christmas edition. Uh, are you feeling Christmassy, Dave? Mate, I'm getting more Christmassy by the moment. I'm almost ready to dress in red and grow a big white beard and, yep, drink copious amounts of something that's probably not inherently good for me, really. <laughs> well, it's I can't. I guess it's kind of easy to talk about. Uh, Christmas because we're deep into it, but there'll be people listening to this um, in January and going, "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, but it's all about living in the moment, Murray. It is. It is definitely about living in the moment. And what a well, you know, of course, the December issue of New Zealand Trucking Magazine was a blockbuster, and that's what we're trying to replicate here. It is an absolute blockbuster, Dave. Shall we just have a look at some of the stuff you've got? And uh, you've been working particularly hard. I, f- I feel as though I'm not contributing <laughs> <up in> this. <laughs> um, of course, we've got all the, we got the, the boys together, we've got the blokes together, and you're having a good year. Do you want to just a quick snapshot that? Yeah, no, we just had a good old Christmas yarn, and uh, as we do about a, a, a few uh, a few events that are in and around us, and we get a, get we give some intellectual into- insight into some of the deep issues, Mark. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, that's to come, and I, I think we, we will pop the, the feature interviews straight after that. Uh, we've been talking about this, but I think uh, we can't make them wait any longer. You had the pleasure and privilege of being at a, a rather special gathering, Dave. Yeah, so um, pe- people will recall back in the magazine uh, uh, a couple of years ago, or a year or so ago, about uh, Murray Brunning and uh, Les Hayden Pixie and Murray and Greymouth that restored those two Mack trucks uh, to what can only be described as concourse condition. Now, Murray is an ex-motor truck distributors man, and he contacted me early in the year and said, hey, there's a gathering getting together in, in Wellington at a venue to be yet to be determined, which turned out to be Clive Taylor's uh, uh, home in Paraparam, and he said, we're trying to get together uh, the the – whoever's left from the motor truck distributors early days, assembly days, and yeah, would you, are you keen to come along? And I was like, it's a ridiculous question really. And, um, and, uh, I, and David packed his, you'd actually packed your bags at that point. Yeah. Didn't you? <laughs> That's right. I, I had bags packed and back then. And yeah. And, uh, and it, 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 it Turned out to be they got a hell of a good gathering. They were very, very few actually that that couldn't make it from who who is still around from from the early days of uh, motor truck distributors and Mac Assembly in New Zealand. And I mean, we had Ron, everyone. You know, we had Ron Carpenter, all, all right through the crew, and um, and it was shit. It was just the most fantastic afternoon. Um, uh, uh, um, and. And the, the longer it went, the, and some of them are getting pretty old now, and the longer it went, you know, they freed up a bit. You know, you put microphones in front of a 
uh, you know, in front of a male, and they suddenly, you know, they freeze up. But they think that um, they think they're at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it just got it just got it was it was fantastic. The only word for it is fantastic, and and to get and I gave them my old favourite chestnut when they were all there, looking fairly nervously at the microphones and saying, "Oh, what's this all about?" sort of thing, and blah blah blah, and. I gave them my one of my old favourite chestnuts is, uh, of, you know, that what's about to happen for the next hour has got nothing to do with you, with all respect. This is for people who you who you will never meet because they are generations to come and they will never get the opportunity to talk to you. They will never get the opportunity to hear your voice. And this is you gifting them a, a treasure for the future. You know, there'll be people in 20, 30 years' time that get this recording and go, shit, that's actually Ron Carter. Carpenter speaking, shit, that's actually Cookie speaking, shit, that's actually Danny Clawson, Rick Wood, or Murray Salby, you know, that's actually their voices, you know, and because that's the cycle of life, you know, we won't be here in 50 years' time, and there will be people that are trying to piece this history together and and um, and and live in, live in the moment that they never got to live in, you know. And potentially, uh, some of them could have been uh, driving or will be driving trucks that these guys actually assembled. Yeah, well... They'll have them in their classics collection, and you know they'll be able to have the, uh, the truck. You know, imagine you know, fifty years time, and a, a you know an R model Mac that's left a New Zealand assembled one. You know, and they've got this recording playing beside it at the show. You know, of Ron Carpenter's voice talking about the very early days. <clears throat> but yeah, but what I do have to do, Murray, oh, for the listeners, I do have to just. Well, it's not actually a correction, but it's it's a clarification. I would say is because I. It, I was very excited, and there was uh, when Danny Clawson was speaking. I was really excited to recall an event in my life that involved him. And I said, I, I went down to pick up a Mac in 1984, and blah blah blah. Now there will be people listening that will be going, like bullshit. That's you were too young to be doing that at that stage. But when I was in the office at Thames Freightlines, I used to go down with people that were picking up Macs and uh, be there when they were getting their trucks and, but on this occasion, uh, I, when I finished the interview, I thought, man, what, what the hell was that? When I went down there and Danny let me drive. And then I remembered what it actually was is I went on a road trip and DJ Melanophy, who owned uh, Thames Freight Lines, jacked me up with a tour of the assembly plant. And Danny met me and took me through the assembly plant. Um, and, and then he gave me that drive. So, it wasn't one of the trips that I went on with drivers to pick up a Mac. It was actually a road trip that I went on myself and a tour was organised and blah, blah, blah. And that was that trip where I got some of the photographs from inside the plant that appeared in the Mac 50 yearbook that we did last year. So, yeah. Okay. You've covered that one off, Dave. No Thank one, you, Murray. No one's Thank gonna, you, Murray. No, no, but there will no be some gonna... old boys ears listening that knew me when I was a lot younger and thinking, nah, he wouldn't have gone down to pick up. But, yeah, yeah. But one a really interesting anecdote is one of those trips that I did go down with a driver to pick up his new Mac and ride home in it with him was actually a truck that I ended up driving for for quite a few hundreds of thousands of kilometres later on, and I got that truck. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, so there you go. There's that was, that was by good luck rather than good management. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, right. That's the biggie, and um, that's going to be scintillating listening, uh, particularly if you just happen to be driving one of those trucks right now. Oh, hey, uh, what about it? So yeah. we've got a new Scania boss. You've had a chat with him. 
Yeah, they're really neat too. And and uh, it's it's an interesting, there's a pattern forming here, I think, that you can see that New Zealand is being used to to, to groom, to put uh, put future. It'll be really interesting to see where people like Rafa and Victor end up in the Trayton story, you know, 20 years down the track, you know, whether that, where, you know, they'll probably may, may well end up in real, you know, thin air globe trotting super positions within the, within the monster organization, you know, you know, cause they're obviously being put to the test yeah. in, in, the, in New Zealand. And, and I, 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 look, personally, I think it's great for us because we get people here and even though they might be sort of coming along every, However often, and I don't know, I've got no idea how long Victor will be here. He may decide this is the place for him and stay here for, for however long. But it's really good for our market when we're getting really ambitious younger people that are on a journey and need to prove that to their superiors that they can that they can do the big jobs even on a smaller mm. scale because that they're wanting this market to succeed because this market is a direct reflection of them. So I think from the point of view of what our operators get, I mean, there's a great argument for, you know, they, you know, the, you're getting a very ambitious results focused sort of a boss who's um, who, who needs to come and go with a very good, with a very good uh, track record record behind him, you know, um, I, I, th- I think again, it, yeah. No, sorry, I, I, I think in the uh, in the same in the same breath, we're also getting people who've been in New Zealand, understand New Zealand, and you know if they do get further up the chain, they you know when when it comes maybe not down to design or whatever, but they are thinking of their time in New Zealand when trucks are formulated into the future. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a bloody good point, actually, mate. Yeah, and and that's going to be more critically important for us going forward than it's ever been when you think of how different the trucks are going to be if when the people high up the food chain know our market intimately yeah that's but they're so you know they're really uh you know they're very polished and they but they have um they must do a lot of swat or they must do a lot they they must the information chain inside the company about prepping them for what you're coming to because you know the, the stuff they know about the market when they arrive is is always strikes me as being really, yeah, it's quite it's quite impressive. Yeah, it's quite it's quite impressive. Clever, smart human beings. Always great to have them here, right? Yeah, I reckon absolutely. Mm. It's why we're so grateful to have you at Trucking Radio twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah, Blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> with the diversity um, uh, chat you had too, just quickly. What can you yeah. just illuminate that a wee bit? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, spoke to Billy Clemens uh, at yeah, Transport in New Zealand, and uh, he's the projects and policy boss there, and heads up their diversity toolkit toolbox. And um, look, that's something that I, I wherever you sit on the spectra uh, on this one, it's we have got a rapidly aging driver workforce. We have got a rapidly increasing freight demand uh, that that will be all about trucks. Everything else will just be margin of error uh, in terms of modality, really. Um, and it, we've got to think outside the square that we currently sit in if we're thinking about how we're going to man those trucks. Um, yes, people talk about autonomy and, and all the rah rah stuff there, and that's great, and there'll be an element of that. But that stuff is, regardless of what the the zealots say in the, in the musketeer, is all those sort of 
sort of people, you know, that is not going to be with us and solve our problem in the next generation, generation and a half. You know, it will it will find its way into certain niche aspects of of transport, but for if you're a kid at school and uh, you know, and there's and you set your sights on being a truck driver, you, even if you're a kid at school now, you will have a you will have a job for the for your work life, no no question whatsoever. Yeah, and um, so yeah, and we just we've got less people that need to do more stuff, and we need to think outside the square about how to make the industry attractive, who those people are, contact people that have maybe never thought about doing it as a job recruit from outside New Zealand because we just we we are the the, the void is just going to exponentially grow. Uh I have a contribution, Cam Bagri. <laughs> and I'll be chatting with Cam uh, as he looks uh, into the new year as well. Uh right. But isn't Dave, he isn't he just the, isn't he just the most fantastic real world this is I how know. it is. Let's not sugarcoat it. You know, that's exactly how it is to deal with Cam. Oh, He's very God. down to earth. You know, I'll get a, a message on a Monday morning about six fifteen with a list of topics. We sorted time, and away we go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. now we're just before we get we get uh, into the the blokey yak, you and the boys. Uh, we have for the first time in a little while a beautiful noise, and this is where we play um, a truck, the sound of a truck. And we want you, well, over the next few hours to have a think about it. We may even play it a wee, a wee bit more of it halfway through, Dave. What do you think? Just to give them a Mate, bit of it. it it's, oh, it's, it's too easy. What do I it? think? What I think? What I think is, uh, you could play this just as the podcast, and you would probably have the higher listenership, okay. highest listenership we've ever had. <laughs> All right, here, here we go, Dave. Here we go. start getting a bit of wind noise at that point but um uh, that that uh, that change is that the giveaway you know we you oh, just the, those that know the note those that know the note especially in the last few milliseconds will know that will know the note very well and will have whimsical tears of nostalgia oh wonderful <laughs> let's get this underway dave let's get this rock and rolling keep on moving the official podcast of new zealand trucking media the Keep On Moving podcast, episode 27, and it is the Christmas, December, January edition of the podcast. Who'd have believed that 2023 is? Gee, the end is upon 2023. us. 2023. Oh, yeah, I know. Another so, one for the books. So 2023. Oh, it was. <laughs> it was so 2023. Exactly. Probably the cleanest year we've had for a while in terms of, you know, like up till then, every year has been affected a little bit by the old... Yeah, the lurgy. By the, by the plague. The, the lurgy. By the plague. Yeah, no mention of it this year, really. Uh, no, no one gives a shit anymore, eh? Well, well, they, so. Oh, no, they do, yeah. No, I'm sorry, take Whoa. that back, sick people. No, I saw, I saw, I saw a mask getting around today. Yeah. In the Did middle you? of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Oriwa, sort of like broad daylight, middle of Oriwa, like... No confined space, but masked up. So maybe, maybe she was protecting everybody else. Maybe she was contaminated. Yeah, maybe. Know. Anyway, oh, anyway, well. yes, and that was a very irresponsible broadcasting on my part. All those people sensitive <laughs> to the plague and all of its um, accoutrements that it brings. Yes. Uh, then my extended apologies yes. for 
um, saying things like, if you don't test, you never had it. Oh, I never said that. that. That's also very 2023. That's actually. very 2020. Apologising for everything you say. Oh, yeah. sorry, Gavin. I'm sorry, Gavin, for that. Yeah. Yeah. And Carl. Yeah. Oh, thanks, mate. I appreciate the apology for whatever it was. They, then, who, we? Yeah. They, them? They yeah. Them. Uh, yeah. Carl? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Deep South, is that your pronouns now? That you're moving to Invercargill? Is that you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's one thing you've got to know when you move to Invercargill, it's your pronouns. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I don't know. This is, this, is, this is going south. Exactly. Oh. Oh. You can tell it's the last that's podcast for the year, can't you? Yeah, that's, yeah. That is very good. Very yes, good. Now, yes. you do remember, mm. you do remember, Carl, for those that don't know, Captain K, Happiest man alive is moving as far south as you can possibly get in New Zealand. Sorry to the people of Stewart Island. I'm saying sorry a lot today. He's going to Invercargill, which is not as far south as you can move in New Zealand, but it's a long way. It's, it's a long way. You still it, need some sort of civilization. Isn't it the world's most southern city? Yeah. It is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it uh, definitely ranks there. That's it. He's coming your way, so if you see him on the side of the road, it's not an apparition, it's Captain K. <laughs> yeah. 20 years in the making, this move. So there you go, eh? How about that? That's now, a bit of a that's a bit of a, uh, a milestone. Your citizenship test. Yes. For south of the border. Oh, here uh, we go. Do you know what Spates stands for when you're south of the border? Oh. No, Ooh. I can't say I do. Okay. It right, stands we, for. Yeah. I can't go. say the second word. Starts with P, ends in <laughs> SS. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right? So we go beep when you come yeah, up to yeah. the, the So superior beep enjoyed in great hotels throughout Southland. Oh, oh there, you, there you go. go. Okay. There you go. All right. What does it stand for if you're north of the border? Well no, our our listenership is valuable to us. <laughs> <laughs> we can't be apologizing that much. We won't, that's we won't get through anything. No, else. that's all it stands for. It has no other acronym decodings whatsoever. Oh, there you go. There you go. Everybody just learned something, I feel. So, and uh, seeing as this is the December-January edition of the Keep On Moving podcast, we're going to make a slight switch, and we're going to talk about main. We're going to talk about the magazine that's about to hit the shelves. Mm-hmm. So, the Keep On Moving podcast is reinventing itself. It's 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 hitting its full stride in mm. 2024. So, we're going to talk about the magazine that's by the time we put it together is at the printers, but about to hit the shelves. About to hit the shelves. Okay, yeah. but so we have to do two this month, and we have to talk about November. Yep. The one that's still on the shelves for another week or so. Yes. And what's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, what November, speaking of south of the border. Yeah. Kerry yeah. Turner and OTL. the team at OTL. Oh, man. Is that mm. the most feedback we've had oh, of a cover story for a long, long time? such good feedback yeah. on that. It yeah. is just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That one really hit home, I think, with a few readers. Yeah. More than a few. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phone calls from and calls from everywhere just... Mm. Yeah, fantastic story. Great people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And just a neat. It's one of those places you would never not ever call in on your way past again, just because it's oh. everything that South Southland Southland or South Island, Lower South Island, Lower, mm. yeah. lower mm. Half mm. of the South Island rural mm. carriage is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. No. Yep. It's um for the Isuzu. I mean, when you go back to when we did the um. Uh, the Stevenson test, you know, I mean, uh, that was a fantastic follow-up. That's what was needed for that new model yep. to do a comparison and, and really see it doing what it's supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's exactly where it's aimed at that in, in the marketplace. I mean, hey, we see them all around Auckland as well, the six before tippers and things like that, but that is that is 
that is their home. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And they really they put in a, a pretty good showing. I think when we were down there, we were able to sample two of them. Obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, that's Bob right. Tipper and a, and a stock unit. And, um, and Pete yeah, and Colin, just, eh? Oh, oh, just yes. two, two blokes that really, I mean, you could sit and yarn to them all day. Oh, and uh, yeah, yeah. I went, for the, I went to the sale, Harvest and Sale, for a couple of hours with Colin. And I had, we had to get away because we were heading down to the uh, Hall of Fame. And, um, oh, but I just wanted to stay at the sale and just see the yeah. whole day through and yeah. listen to the cattle, you know. Yeah. I haven't been to sale really since I was a kid at Cobu yeah. Sale Yards with Dad sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, it yeah, was... Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just neat people, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, so if you haven't caught that story uh, yet, well, that's definitely one to grab a hold of and have a read of. And uh, still on the shelves, yes, still on the shelves. Another week or so. Get mm. your Western Star photograph for your wall. Yes, that's right. Poster. Yeah. Yep. Your Western Star poster for the wall. Yeah. Two Western Stars, two for the price of I one. No, look, mate, the value, the added value is just just amazing, absolutely incredible. But no, that was another good story as well because that was. Um, our good friends at uh, Prestige Building Removals with their two Western Stars and Gabby, the trailer that went swimming. <laughs> <laughs> the trailer that went swimming. Yeah, with a house on its back that disappeared somewhere and ended up, I think, um, it's probably on its way to Taiwan or somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But no, that's a great, yeah, great story, great poster. Yep, another great magazine. Yep. So, Mr. Myers, moving on to the December-January issue. It's a big Whoa, one in got, more yeah, ways than one. It, yeah. is, it is great Christmas reading. Yeah, yeah, real real neat way to end the year off. I know I think a lot of uh, people will probably complain that it's our fourth Scania of the year, I think. But, there, I mean, there's a lot of factors behind that, uh, market forces and all. But um, definitely worthy, I think, of the Christmas issue. Oh, 100%. This particular truck? Yeah, yeah 100%. Mm. Um, from the family point of view, oh, from the... Just, mm. yep. Yep. But the um, the application as well, I mean, yeah, that's just... Um, it was extreme. You know, for, for that truck, it was, again, it was in its in the place that it needed to be. That's where it's designed to work at those sorts of weights in that application. Um, and, I mean, with a, with a very experienced hand at the tiller, you know. Yep. And so to see that truck with those... Uh, I mean, A, the specification, but B, the features that they've spec that truck with, its ability to um, take control literally on the fly, you know, from the driver's seat and adjust drive and everything like that, switch a diff off, engage, you know, sort of uh, airbags, sort of... Uh, Play with your axle loading. Yeah, and all yeah. the loadings and everything like mm. that. So, yeah, I mean, and, and we got to see it in action live. You know, just mm. just phenomenal. I mean, a great story, great photos, great video. It was just a magic couple of days out with Matt and the team. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's we haven't actually told them what the we truck actually is. Haven't had to do it, is yeah, no. wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we haven't got there yet, but anyway, go ahead, <laughs> Gavin. You're the editor. Um, yep, uh, Central Equipment Movers out of Tokoroa. Yep, the James family. Yep, Matt James driving the truck. His dad's. Scania James. Scania James. As he's known. As he's known. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that story's in there as well, how that came to be. It is, yeah. Well, uh, cover yeah. stories. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, cover yeah. story always tells, tries to tell the backstory as best it can, of course. Exactly. And I had yeah. the great yeah. privilege yeah. of working with Scania James. Uh, oh, I was going to say AKA Colin, but it's actually the other way around. It's Colin, AKA Scania. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and for those of you that want to know the real story on how he came to have the name nickname Scania, you can read that in the magazine. I'll keep that. You can. Yeah. You can. You can. But yeah. it's interesting because it was actually courtesy of a big white V8 Scania, or largely white V8 yeah. Scania, back when he was a kid. So yeah. it's, it's such a neat. Yeah, that's right. Transition, mm. you know, and we yeah. write in the story about how the the 
the culture or the how the forest works, you know, you revisit compartments time and time again, different eras, yep. different generations. You might go back to a compartment three times in your working life, you know, and and each time something's changed, and it's so similar to that mm. because he was yep. a kid he, smitten by a big mm. white V8 Scania when yep. he was yeah. a kid, and then all of a sudden, yeah, next time around, he's standing in front of his big white V8 Scania, Scania. Yeah. Yeah. that he yeah. asked his son to. Buy, yeah, it was his turn to buy a truck. That whole yeah. succession thing that but you get in the you know, exactly, yeah, and yeah, um, exactly. neat, neat people. Like, he was great to work with when he when he did a uh, stint at uh, 10 provincial freight lines and just mm. you know, just heart glass half full. Mm, you know, mm. if you have a party and you invite Scania James, there's an, it goes up a level in terms of <laughs> you know, fun. You yeah, know, he's just yeah. one of those characters, and yeah. and um, you know, Matt and Taylor's they chips off the old block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The thing, yeah. the thing with that though, the um, the one, the one moment with that truck uh, that really sticks with me though was when we, um, uh, there was one real pinch that we definitely needed the assistance of the old uh, Caterpillar Grader, and um, so hooked up the wire rope. This was um, in the back blocks. Of this is oh. we were twenty one k's up into the clouds, into the clouds, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and behind, and behind Warrell. Warrell. But um, the thing is, is that, um, yeah, so we ended up hooked up to the back of the old grader because they said, look, you know, everything like that, this size has to be hooked up, that's it, that's the way it is. So, yep, yep, absolutely. Put the wire rope on, and the interesting thing was, was that wire rope was only taught probably about 10% of the time as we were following up. That, that scar- it, Seriously, it, had a, it, it, was, it was under control the whole time, virtually. There was just a couple of really gnarly pinches where it really did need that assistance, and it was, you know, it was apparent, but... We got to the top, got out to unhook the wire rope. <laughs> the bloody greater driver, experienced hand, done it many, many times. His words, and his words, it was basically, that was by far the easiest tow I have ever done, and I've done hundreds of them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it uh, it was a really interesting experience, you know, and uh, to see it in action. So, yep, that's a good one to grab a hold of and have a, have a read of over yeah, the Christmas yeah, break. Yeah, yeah. yeah good really reading is. there. Good plenty, reading. Else, plenty of other stuff in yes, there, though. there is. We've got a top truck, which, what brand is the top truck, Gavin? The top mm. truck yeah. poster. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Our top truck poster this month is also a Scania. <laughs> yeah. <So laughs> we, this one's also been a couple of months in the making. So, oh, this uh, one's you been know, many all months have in their the time. making. Oh, yeah. yeah, look, yeah. I mean, you know, it's the fall of the dice. In the first two months of this year, for two magazines, we've got uh, same brand cover, same brand poster. Obviously, February's the <laughs> yeah. Kenworth 100 years yeah. and 60 years. Mm, so yeah. we're going to do that great brand mm. uh, justice by doing that as well. But yeah. this one was booked in from about <laughs> last <laughs> April. So, yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, this one was, yeah, and it's fantastic because two Fine. young fellas, two little two little jokers who are going to be giants in the industry in the years to come, uh, Just they've just been all over this, their dad's truck being in the, mm. being in the Christmas yeah. edition poster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, um, Do we say who that is again, or are you still are you being very cagey on the contents of the? Uh, yeah, we don't mention. Oh gosh, Scott Caring. Scott Caring. Um, <laughs> Maybe we did. Of, uh, Christchurch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But it's a. Um, it's a. I actually, saw that going down the Southern Motorway yesterday when I was coming back from Mercer. So mm. yeah, yeah. Very, very tasty truck, looking very sharp. And very Kane's sharp. got the. Uh, you know, he's a he's mm. truck mad since he yeah. was since he was truck mad since he was truck mad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so that's in there. Yeah, and then uh, you were in Japan. 
a couple of months ago. Yes, I was. I went to the Japan Mobility Show 2023, and that was uh, that was. So what an, was that? Mo- mobility an, scooters that you get around no. on shopping malls? <laughs> no, no. Ca- oh, God. You oh South- sorry. Oh God, mate, catch up. South- oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. Is that something else? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, well, the mobility shows now because um, oh. because not everything's got an engine as we know. Oh, right. right. Okay. And uh, obviously that's a yeah, it's a neat little article. It's a mm. high level coverage of the thing, but it's a neat show because it's always been, it's very forward facing. Yeah, it's very mm. conceptual. It's very you know, but that also lends hints lends a, a bit of a a bit of hint of what actually is coming. And I think we will find that battery swapping, uh, based on what was at that show, is going to be a big thing for last mile delivery trucks. That's going to be battery swapping is the way to keep your round town truck going because it's yeah. no use putting bigger batteries on it until its tear weight's at heavy yeah. and all you can carry yeah. delivers yeah. a toothbrush. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be in, swap batteries, put another load on mm. it, go. In, yeah. swap batteries, put another load on it, go. So well, I mean, it's just they're just taking a page out of the old uh, forecoist um, market, aren't they, really? With, um, you know, yeah, yeah, ba- yeah, yeah, yeah. Battery forecoist yeah. been doing it for years. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Yep. 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 No, it works. It's a proven, a proven methodology. Mm. Mm. Continuing on the battery theme and still forward-focused looking, um, real big news actually just out a couple of weeks ago. The news story's in this issue as well, so we're mentioning it here. Um, the very first electric truck to win the International Truck of the Year title's just been... Yeah, uh, the name mm. the Volvo FH Electric. Yeah, that's a that's a bit of a bombshell. Ooh, that isn't is that? a big yeah. call. That Let's opens up the big can of worms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, like that is where does it go from here? Mm. And I suppose the reality of that is it can is it doesn't rule out um, combustion because we're not always going to combust diesel. No, um, no, no. Well, you know, I mean, and so there's yeah, but on, it's still it's still a, like a wow, that's early in the piece. Mm, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That that the electric story is just only being only starting. Mm. Um, mm. So, but I mean, hey, look, um, Volvo's made a, a fantastic product. We saw it last year in Brisbane. Um, yeah, yeah, and um, obviously uh, their their uh, uh, counterparts. Um, from the homeland, uh, Scania just launched their electric, uh, heavy electric vehicles, which are uh, mm. also uh, an upcoming story, not this issue, but yep, yep coming E-truck's soon. E-truck's on its mm. way next year. Yeah, MA um, and E-truck's on its way next yeah, year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, so they're all coming. The interesting um, thing about the iToy selection is what's really interesting is that there was only one combustion truck in the final Selection is that four right? Or five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, I didn't know that. And of course, the innovation award went to an autonomous project. So yeah, that's another M-A-N's. interesting oh. one. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah. A, Gee. yeah, yeah. Yes. Ooh, yep. Went to an MAN autonomous project working in Europe. So yeah, mm. it's, um, interesting times ahead. That's for sure. And Will has a drive of the new heavy duty Actros electric. The, 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 the Actros six hundred. Yep. Yep, more more electric. Yeah. Um, Mercedes is a heavy offering. Um, Interesting article. Yeah. Have a read of it and make from it what you will. Yes, I'd say that. <laughs> Let's leave it there. Let's yeah. leave it there. Yeah. 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 I, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, um, yes, there was a, hmm, an interesting perspective. Yep. But don't worry if you're still um, if you still got diesel pumping through your veins. Um, we've got a report on the uh, the Brooks show that Carl spoke about a couple of yeah. episodes ago. Yeah. From, don't uh, get him from your oh. don't get him crossing oh. over the states. Oh, and and um, <laughs> yeah, Dave's got a, a piece on his highlights of the K model 
yeah, words well, from yeah. the Clarendon Classic. The Clarendon Classic, yep, yep. I went in search of, of uh, old Ks, as I sort of uh, have a tendency to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yep, found four really cool people. Uh, did I, what did I put in there? Four or five? I put four, didn't four, I? Yeah. Four, And one of them, uh, owned by a guy called John Thierry, and... Uh, and um, it was Will Shaw's first Kenworth. Yeah. So the la- the his, and he said, "Oh, this one." I said, "Oh, that's a cool truck, mate." <laughs> blah blah blah. Chat chat chat. And he goes, "Yeah, yeah." It was, it was Will Shaw's first Kenworth, and I was like, <gasps> "Yeah, I'm like Will Shaw's first Kenworth, <laughs> the like Will Shaw's Darwin Transport." And he goes, "Yeah, like his first, yeah." And straight away, you just have this image of the lanky Englishman heading yeah. into the sun, yeah, from with a load of steel on, heading, mm. you know, and you're like, yeah. "Oh my." All of a sudden, there were moonbeams and <laughs> <Yeah>. angels singing. <laughs> yeah, angels. And, yeah, yeah. It was just like, holy <laughs> hell, the history that was just in that cab and what, yeah. what would become. Oh. You know? Holy moly. Yeah, no, phenomenal, eh? He's, yeah, uh, yeah no, that's that's one that definitely needs uh, preserving. But that's what Clarendon's so cool. Um, you know, it's uh, that is a bucket list show. I mean, you've done it now. I've done it once. It's, it's one you've just got to go and see. Uh, it's There's just... So much history there that we all, I suppose, particularly our age group, because we grew up with Truck and Life magazine, there were so many trucks there at that show that you go, Shh, I remember you. You were on, you know, like uh, February 79 cover of Truck and Life or whatever, or you were the truck, and, you know, the, the uh, regular month yeah. or something. There's a lot of a lot of guys are actually get, finding those trucks, seeking them out and actually preserving them as they, well, back to as they were, yeah. or as, as, as we remember them. So, yeah, yeah, very cool show. And the thing is with Clarendon is, like, you just put your, put your parochialness of brands aside. Mm. It's just a great... Event oh. of like-minded people that yep. love trucks, yep. and you got to remember if you don't know what you're sort of dealing with. Yes, there's the Clarendon Kenworth Classic, but it's tied. It came about because it was next door to a mm. big agricultural show, wasn't exactly. it? Carl knows more about it than me. No, and right. like, there's yep. all amount of trucks there. Like, yep. if you go to the agriculture, oh, there's yes. slab roof Atkinsons, yeah, 3800s. Yeah. There's, there's, oh. it's just, it's the truck show from hell. Yeah, that's right. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the big thing. If you ever, if you ever go over there, there's just a, a, a piece of advice right now. Make sure you jump the fence and go and have a look at the agricultural show because that truck show that's over there behind the scenes is just as big as the Kenworth one that, across. Yeah, Louisville's that, with nine oh threes in them and oh, oh I know. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you get rather excited. Yeah. And there's a pub right <laughs> a there pub at, at the, the main show. gates. Yeah, oh. and yeah. you can sit on the veranda Mate. and the trucks pour in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have it have while you hydrate. Awesome. Yeah, while you hydrate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's very important. It's very hot over there. You got to. Stay and that's hydrated. a who's who of New Zealand trucking. Yeah. Going to the pub at the Clarendon yeah. Yeah. Gates is just yeah. like good grief. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then I think probably the last thing we want to feature in the magazine, um, a bit of a, a double header as far as models is concerned. You were down, Carl, with uh, Robin McKnight. Yeah, uh, that's right. Cool. Yeah, the Tin yeah. Man. Yeah. Now, Robin man, has, he does some good work. Oh, gee, unbelievable, mate. Yeah, yeah, seriously. So, yeah, there's a feature in there in a uh, Mac Superliner that he's uh, built. Um, and um, But he yeah. is one of those guys that uh, sort of paved his own uh, way with, um, instead of, the mainstream sort of using plastic and glue and so forth. He uses you know sheet tin and solder and tin snips and uh, just incredible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Um, and then we also um, this month we've got the Italuri Build a Model Truck Competition 2023. The Craig Christensen uh, 
um, uh, sort of uh, inspired, inspired yeah, um, competition uh, for the youngsters. And uh, so the winners are in there, all three winners um, of the different age groups. Uh, a fantastic array of models again, and the level has gone up another peg this year. It's just incredible. Um, our um, particularly the um, over over uh, 12, 12, 12 to 18s. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious me! Yeah, a fantastic uh, road train there. So yeah, yeah, no, no. There's uh, some good reading at the back of that as well. That yeah, road yeah, train so was amazing. Like the, oh. to build the tractor unit and yeah. a semi is yeah. one thing. To yeah. build the first trailer, yeah, yeah, is another thing. Yeah, to build did he build? Yeah, no, two triple. other trailers. Yeah, triple. Triple. It's, it's a triple. triple. Yeah, it's, it's a triple. triple. Yeah. 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 But the proportions, it's, that's what got me. Oh, the proportions yeah. are yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, so no, no, that's, um, yeah, a, a very, very, um, oh, sorry, we got... Um, that's right. Um, someone's, uh, oh, hello. Yeah. We've got the domestic pet division. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a very yeah. homely show. Yeah, it is. Yes, 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 yes. He's, um, he's obviously uh, heard dinner come home. He's... he's <laughs> <laughs> yep. For everybody out there, that's uh, Coco the Chocolate Lab. Um, and of course, just one more thing that I want to um, talk about is in the magazine is um, spending 50 years uh, in service in the transport industry is an incredible feat. Spending 50 years in service in the transport industry in the same transport company. Oh. Is uh, yeah. is unbelievable, and Carl's fellow Southlander, our good friend Ken <laughs> Bell, Ken Bell. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, yeah. did a story on um, DT King and uh, Ken McLean, Ken McLean yeah. and uh, just yeah, so that's that's got to be read. That's tip of the hat to a man's dedication to an yeah. amazing industry. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Moving on, mm. the feature interview this month, courtesy of our good friends. Yes. Fantastic people at Mike's Transport Warehouse. Yep, that's and, right. And uh, who owned the feature interview and the Keep On Moving podcast. And we've got their latest mailer in front of us. Yeah. Yep. And now, word of caution, everybody, this is mailer is runs until the 31st of December 2023. Yeah. And, of course, this is the December-January issue of the magazine and podcast. Yes. So just be aware that you need to get in fast and get the deals. Get and the deals. When I get these catalogues, I always go. I just love those workbenches with lots of drawers and wheels oh, and a built-in oh, bench at the top. Right. And I'm yeah. just like, I look at them like a yeah. one day, yeah. Yeah. one yeah. day, and Drawing. there's two. There's yeah. two big examples yeah. uh, on the in the showroom available uh, this month. Uh, yep. The MTW small workshop benches and the eighteen drawer toolkit. Eighteen drawer, oh. mate. They <laughs> yeah. are red hot deals. Mm, mm. If you wanna, if you wanna lock your man's loyalty in forever, <laughs> <laughs> get oh, down yeah. to Mike Transport's warehouse and yeah. grab yourself. Yeah. Uh, but if your budget doesn't quite extend that far, of course you've also got well truck, truck I t- cleaning kits truck cleaning yeah. kits but I tell you there's one thing in here that caught my eye and it's something that I do possess in my uh, uh, in my workshop like is the very thing or the something very, no exactly that one and it is the projector PC 812 volt 6 stage battery charger now that thing is incredible what that can do 
It'll bring back a dead battery, no sweat at all. It absolutely. So you are speaking from this experience. is like personal experience. Personal this is experience. like a, yep. the ultimate review. Yep, it is. The, it is. Uh, yeah, da, 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 da. yep. The Captain K review of the projector PC eight hundred. There you go. It has saved your bacon. Yeah, it on. has. Yes, yes. No, no, no. So two hundred and seventy-five dollars. Look at that. And you see, you look in this catalogue, and if you're a truck person, mm. like I'd, I've got more load binder straps. <laughs> but you can never have enough. <laughs> like it's like lipstick to a woman, isn't it? Yeah, well, isn't it? I, I, or to someone that identifies I think as a woman. I, I think I need like, to. I need to buy a couple more of those for my trip south. Oh, there's a little pack there. Anchor Premium oh, Load Binder Kit for 140 bucks. Oh, I'm off to get one. You know, and Anna would look at that and go, "Oh God, he wouldn't buy him that for Christmas." It's like, "Why would you do with another set of straps?" And yet, if oh. she did, I'd be like, "Straps." Oh, I know. Straps. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It's nearly it's nearly like being given a Matchbox Super Kings truck when, it you, is. Were, when you were ten. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, well if you had wealthy parents, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then there's yep, steel wheels, alloy wheels. Mm. And uh yeah. it's a veritable treasure trove of yeah. things oh, to buy. Narva lights it. and brushes to clean yeah. your Narva lights. Yep, there yep. you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. So Mike's, Mike's transport. transport warehouse. Yep. Fantastic bunch of people, sponsors mm-hmm. of the feature interview and the Keep On Moving podcast, which is, oh my gosh, yeah, hold now, my are, head, are it's you, about to explode. Are you going to tell everyone about this, are you? Are well, you going there? You're going to make, ca- make them hang on and wait yeah, to listen, Yeah, you've got to hang you? on and listen to this. This is, yeah. this is oh, we set the bar pretty high for 2024, I don't know what we're yeah. going to do to match this, but... but um, there was a gathering in uh, Paraparam about a month ago of all that they could muster who were available of the original Mac Assembly plant crew. Yeah. And um, right from the start, from the beginning, Ron Carpenter was there yeah. at the do, and yeah. uh, it was a who's who. I, I, I can, could start to rattle off names, but I'll miss someone and feel bad. And Yeah. And but, um, but I mean, they were there. I don't know. There was a couple missing, but not many, yeah. you know. And um, they just started recalling the story from yeah. sort of the beginning. And I just set the microphone going and passed yeah. the microphone. They were yeah. a little bit, you know, they were a little bit tentative yeah, at first yeah, with the microphone, bit, yeah. but once you get them going, oh, once they yeah, they were <laughs> yeah. away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So please stay tuned. Listen to that. Listen to that podcast as you're driving along or in your yeah. hammock. It's just. In 30 years' time, having those voices on record will be I just... I was just going to say, to yes, get so valuable. To get the invite to go along there and record, <laughs> that was was just... That was gold. Huge, just, huge thank you to Murray Brunning and uh, mm. Pixie. Uh, uh, Les Hayden from uh, Greymouth, the, the Mac Restorer's extraordinaire, and yep. who Murray wised me up to it and said, come down and... Mm-hmm. Bring your machine with you and, oh, yep. what what a valuable treasure. Yep, that's exactly it. Exactly it. Yeah, so there you go. It's been... Uh, We've got a government. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, it's been an interesting couple of weeks, hasn't it? We've finally, we've finally got a government of sorts. They're getting there. Yeah. They're pulling it together, sort of. Yeah, yeah, I hear Winnie's... Well, no. He's out of the gates already this morning. He's, <laughs> already, get, he's already given Chris a bit of migraine this morning. Oh. It's, what is it, second day in bed? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, yeah, between yeah, no, that's oh my lord, that's this. Watch this space. But we have got a government that is We're, a bit more sympathetic to our to needs our and needs. has a bit more of an yeah. idea yeah. about how the company country exactly. operates. You and need trucks yep. to get shit to shops. Yep, that's what we're very, very fortunate with. You know, so, yeah. oh bloody hell! You know the whole too many trucks on the roads thing, and yet, like here and in America, like the Black Friday sales, yeah, were records. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
records. Yeah. Like, you can't stop complaining about too many trucks on the roads. Yeah, when you want to buy shit. <laughs> when the Black Friday sales <laughs> yeah, yeah. are record-breaking. Yeah, yeah. Like, this, is there, do, the, do the sales not meet? Yeah, you know, I like know. It's I entirely know. up to you, people. Trucks yeah. are a response to demand. If exactly. you demand it, they will deliver it. They will deliver it, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it, yeah. You don't want to, you know, they don't want to turn up to Noel Emings and look at empty, empty shelves or uh, the warehouse or uh, whatever. You know, they want to see the stock there. Well, the stock only gets there one, one way. One way. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's no use resenting them and letting the roads fall into a cesspit oh, of hell. Exactly. You know, it, you know it's just, it, I, it just boggles my brain. But, yeah, so, but we've got a government that's a bit more sympathetic and a bit mm. more understanding about the mechanisms of the economy. Yep. And let's um, see what happens. Yeah. What happens in the coming months, eh? Hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that's that is it's going to be really interesting. But I mean, on that note, I mean that's it uh that's it sort of, you know, uh full blown sort of country government level. But here we are in Auckland government level. They're talking about an interesting um, concept as well. Oh, congestion charges. <laughs> hey? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how that Works. Well, the problem with congestion charges with me is, in cons- and conceptually, I'm not opposed to them, especially <coughs> if they keep a lane open for freight and trucks. Yeah. Right? Um, but the problem with congestion charges in Auckland and every New Zealand city you can think of, maybe with the exception of Wellington, maybe, is you, you've got to have a viable alternative that works for the people to use. Mm, yeah. Mm. If you're going to charge them five bucks yeah. a morning to come yeah. to work, yeah. then... Mm. The man, the trains better be like Tokyo. Yeah, that's right. They better mm-hmm. be running every seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, and never miss a beat. Yeah, you know, and bus, you know, and yeah, yeah. I, the the thing with New Zealand is we there's no, there's nothing there's no end or mm-hmm. take your car and pay five dollars yeah. or yeah go on the what hand yeah. glider yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, Jet that's exactly, ski, yeah, you know? that's exactly it. Because it, yeah, that's yeah. it. If you're gonna if you're gonna penalise them, there has to be an alternative so they don't get penalised if they don't want to be. That's yeah, sort of attitude. But that's exactly it. I well, mean, there maybe is some, more people will work from home, and hey, congestion solved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, I suppose so. Yeah, well, yeah. isn't it amazing though? We've just noticed though in the past couple, like uh, past fortnight, the traffic volume around Auckland has again done its yearly plummet. As soon as universities the, and schools, yeah, yeah. as soon as universities close down and uh, technical institutes and all that sort of carry on, the, there's there is a correlation there every year. It's just boom, the traffic flow just drops. You know, the volumes are just in the morning. Uh, I was coming back, as I said to you earlier, I was coming back from Mercer the other day, and um, I was looked at the you know the old clock on the dashboard, and I thought, oh man, I'm going to be driving right into it, and uh, no, clean run right the way through. Absolutely, and it was, and I suddenly went, "Oh yeah, that's right. We're at the end of November. Yep, yep. This is Sam's University. Yeah, everyone's yep. gone home for the year, sort of thing. And um, you know, it's so. Yeah, they. Yeah, I mean, we keep going on about you know these uh, vehicles getting around with only one person in them and so on, but that really is a problem here in Auckland. So if they can. If they can squeeze those out of the cars and get them, you know, using the public transport, if they can provide public transport for them, well then, you know, maybe we will get around the city a little bit easier and so on. But um, but on that note, I won't really have to worry about it too much in Invercargill. No, <laughs> no, you won't. So, <laughs> here it is. You heard it first on the Keep On Moving podcast. The great socioeconomic revelation is if you want to reduce congestions in the cities, uh, don't, build, don't build schools or universities. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or give them some kind of incentive to get on the bus or in the train or something. But um, yeah, yeah, so there you go. So that's, uh, yeah, governments, mate. Where would we be without them? 
Almost. And we had the uh, the little glitchy in the middle of the month that's being tended to <laughs> at, uh, where a bit of a, I don't know what you'd call it, an oversight when they put the HPMV together maybe where they didn't sort of apply the low category over-dimensional rules to the HPMV trucks mm. and so that was called out during the month and uh, created mayhem which is being addressed and looked leniently on until they get it sorted but... Yeah. Here's the thing for me is on this one is we're not getting in our heads the magnitude of what's coming towards us that we have to deal with in terms of regulate regulatory environment and a compliance environment like this shouldn't this should have been invisible mm. you know truck gets pulled in over width on HPMV oh shit, okay, what do we have to do to fix this? I talked to someone who knows the inside workings of the mechanism and they said that's a four-day fix yeah. on the quiet. Yeah. Fix it, put out a memo to people, yep. yeah. this now applies to this, mm. we've got more shit to worry about than this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got a whole generation of alternatively propelled trucks with heavier axles at heavier tear weights and weird dimensions coming towards yeah. us that we have to deal with on screwed roads. Yeah. But no, it gets blowing up. Like, Yes, okay, by the letter of the law, that's what happened, but that brings just about every rural carrying truck, particularly in the bottom island, mm. uh, to a standstill mm. because they can't porticoms, they can't machines yep. in Gypsy yep. Weekend when the yep. farmers are moving. They yep. the mildly overwood stuffs on them all the time, all the time. So you've instantaneously just brought the entire mm. national fleet, rural yep. fleet in particular, to a halt. To a halt. Yeah. You know, yep. um, trusses, yeah, things like that. Like yep. just. Go oh shit! We made an oversight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just fix this on the quiet. Yeah. Put a memo out. Blah blah blah. But would I be would I be right in saying that it's amazing that it's taken the better part of a decade to come to light? Because <laughs> HPMV is what twenty fourteen yeah. that was introduced or something. Yeah, well, it's like the rules of rugby, mate. Not every, <laughs> <laughs> it's a big book. Not everyone, you know. Uh, and here I thought we'd get through takes, one podcast without the rugby being brought up. <laughs> it takes a propeller head to be, you know, you know. But the thing that I always, you know, the thing with me is like, and I, I'm going to get. I'm going to open up a, a terrible rabbit hole here. Is is like, regardless of what your personal belief is, just put all that aside. What what you think it is, and what you think it isn't, and whether or not you believe in it, or whether or not you don't, is irrelevant. What we're doing in the world at the moment, what everyone's frenetically developing in terms of the alternative propulsion and all of these things, they are doing it, evidently. And I'm trying to keep away from the, oh, it's all a load of bullshit, because that's got nothing to do with what I'm saying. The reason it is happening is to preserve, evidently, the planet's capacity to keep us alive. It's not politics, it's not mm. governments, it's not borders, it's not religion, it's not wars. It's the planet's capacity to maintain the amount of people that it supports. Mm. That's what is evidently at stake. That's why all of this stuff... Mm. So that should be written on the wall of every regulator in the world who's mm. got a, you know, who's got a bent about you know bureaucracy and and yep. being anal. This is happening because the planet may not be able to sustain us, mm. right? And now work from that. What's the priority? Is that the priority? A <laughs> truck that's got a hay baler on that's five centimeters too wide? No, <laughs> Just, it's not. That's a load of shit. Get rid of that quickly and get on to the stuff that we tr- that we need yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. And we we you and I were uh, Dave were in uh, at the Eighteens conference just yeah. just a month ago. Yeah. In fact, it was probably only a couple of weeks ago. Um, and yeah, it's just like you say, what's coming towards us 
is just game changing mm, um, mm. from the vehicle perspective and the legislation perspective. And um, there's a shitload of groundwork to be done. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah, like yeah, but then the thing is, then we've just as we just highlighted just before, um, it's that you know it's like um, uh, at the railway crossing and the buddy train's already there sort of attitude because um, you know as we've just said, Volvo's just taking out truck of the year and yeah, yeah, an electric, yeah. An yep. electric Volvo's taking out truck of the year yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. Europe. So yeah. here we are, we're still talking about five centimeters oversize on a on a hay bale or something like that. Yeah, yeah, know. just yeah, it's yeah. Like we've got some bigger fish to fry. We've yeah, got yeah, some yeah. enormous fish to fry. Yeah, <laughs> and that's, yeah, yeah. That I mean, how many times has that come up at the Eighteens Conference as well? We, as New Zealand, as a market, are a technology taker. Mm. This is what's happening in Europe. That's yeah. a vehicle that's winning truck yeah. of the year. Yeah, that's going to come down here. Well, it is down here already. That's right. But in numbers soon, mm, mm. Um, in in years to come. And uh, we got to be ready for them. We got to be able to. They have to be able to um, operate on our roads. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. um, they're not, they're not quite a few de- uh, um, sort of cards to get in order there. Yeah. yeah. And it's really interesting because further down the podcast, I talked to uh, Victor Cavallio, the new uh, CEO at Scania New Zealand, and he was yes, he was yes, that sort of to a certain degree. But I was quite intrigued in him saying that there will probably still be a level of speculability that that is like I was quite I was quite they're going to be square square pegs and square holes and we mm, have no mm. choice and he was like no n- probably not to that degree there, it will be handy if we can get a little bit more uniformity mm-hmm. but New Zealand is a market that's that will still require mm. a level of Adaptability, right? For, because he, he said, "Look, he said, look at the mark, look at New Zealand. New Zealand is." Yeah. He said exactly the same as Rafael uh, Alvarenga said. You know, in Brazil, everybody buys a G540, yeah. six six before tracking unit or six yeah. by two tracking unit. There's just hundreds of them, hundreds of them go out yeah. the door every day. Yeah. In New Zealand, he said, and Victor said the same thing. You know, the plethora yeah. of spec variation yeah. is, yeah. and he mm-hmm. said, he yeah. said, a culture yeah. can't change that overnight. They can't. You can't just switch that off. So no. he said, there will be a but. Yes, it would help if there was a little bit more mm. going forward, something mm. that was a little bit more uniform in there. But you'll hear all that in the yeah, in yeah. the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. lovely guy. Love neat mm. interview. Yeah. yeah, really got on well with him. Really yeah. neat guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Magic. Yep. So um no, there's uh some interesting um interesting uh pathways ahead there to be uh navigated. But um but then going back to some good Diesel and uh, <laughs> some good old diesel. Some kept, yeah, he says it with such relief in I feel as though I need recharging. Let's talk about diesel again. Yeah, let's get amped about diesel. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plug me into Currently, some no, I can't. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, no. A big piece of red steel with a big piece of diesel. Oh, it's yeah. Going, hey, come on, we. I mean, you. You did the handover, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, Rob got his yeah. got his uh, top truck of the year yeah. award. Yeah, yeah. love this yeah, day fantastic. every year. The actual handing over the yeah. plaque and yeah. and uh, uh, Rochelle's painting and Dave Lester there from Power Retreats handing over the mm. handing over the voucher for the tyres. And again, um, uh, you know, Rob and Tania. We said it last month. I'll yeah. say it again. The, yeah. the calls we received. It's in the book again. The calls yeah. we received. There was a perfect match for the John Murphy Memorial Top Truck Absolutely. handover because the, yeah. they sound like two peas yeah. in a pod in terms of mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Just neat. And he was everything that people because I hadn't met or talked to Rob, 
And so it was my first chance to yeah. say good day to him. And like, yeah. it just every single thing that everybody yeah. had said he is, he was. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, he was just the loveliest bloke at the handover. Yeah. We went and had lunch and laughed and chatted and carried on. Yeah. And yeah, just uh, such worthy winners. Yeah. Yeah. Bad no. habit. Big red bad habit. Big red bad habit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Nah, one very cool piece of kit. Yes, yes, and uh, oh, hang on! Have I got a drum roll here for the next? Oh, the next one. You got I don't to... know if this is a drum roll or not, or is it? Is this? Go on, on, press it, press go, it. Go on. See what happens? Go on. I think it's actually a badumps. Okay, hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's actually yeah. probably quite fitting. Let's hope, it, does, well. let's hope it doesn't end like that. Yeah. Hang on, oh, hang on a minute. And hang, on, hang on a minute. Let's yeah. hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. State Highway 25A open for Christmas. Yeah, now that is. is a profound statement, but isn't it amazing, eh? If so, okay, it just shows I, what they can do when they want to. Eh? I'm on a roll now. If someone had no. to, if someone had to tell me that in April. <laughs> <laughs> but but the thing is the thing is though is that um, just going back one step about it's amazing what they can do when they want mm. to. It's amazing what they can do when the right people that have a holiday home over the hill campaign for it to yeah. be done. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we started off the podcast by apologising. Uh, we might very, end it with a big apology. Very sorry. Carl lives in Invercargill <laughs> and uh, he's unaware of the physical nature of the Coromandel. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, apologise for that, everybody. Uh, no, uh, well... No, I, I'll tell you what it is. And look, it's not a case of what can be done because I never, ever doubt the builders. It's getting hmm. the red tape. Yeah. It's, the, yeah. it's the bureaucrats well, that got yeah. to work between January and March and no, actually well, got the pissing paper signed off and not worried too much about the frog. Well, the thing is, yeah, but the thing is, is that they they were able to actually do it all under um, the emergency bloody power, the, the, mm. the, you know, the emergency act, whatever it is that they've got. That that whole rebuild is actually part of. So you don't all the paperwork yeah. is yet to be done, and it's like we'll worry about that later. We've got to get this open. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. bit that you know. That's the I think we need to learn from is that you know it's blatantly obvious with this whole exercise that the paperwork and other pro, that is the stumbling block. It is. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's you know, not the yeah. people's capacity. No, no, no. To but they, they always yeah. No, but what I'm saying is is that they always deny that. But here it is. It's right in front of their face. They cannot. This has been turned around. Everything was there. It was ready to go. It was get in there, get it done. And you know, I mean, there's there's arguments about there was the three different options about how to fix it and blah 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 blah. But the bottom line is they chose an option, regardless of whether it's the right one, wrong one, or whatever. But it was you know they've it looks to be the correct one. You know, from the photos we've seen. Um, but they just got on and got the job done. And paperwork will sort that out. So the thing is, is that, yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I think it sort of highlights that a long, hard look look needs to be taken at the systems and practices that we have in place at the moment because it's not working. Well, we're supposed to be having a big overhaul of the RMA and things like well, that. Well, yeah, and, let's, let's hope that... But I think it's, I mean, and I, and I come back to your original thing, uh, point, Carl, or comment, and yes, let, not, we can't be naive about this, there are some very influential people mm. living on the eastern side of the Coromandel, and I'm mm. sure, like, it's just human nature, that, yep. you know, they'll deny yep. it, deny it till the cows come home, but there would have been phone calls. And yeah, there would have been. Blah, blah. Yeah. But also, also, the eastern side <coughs> of the Coromandel Peninsula is very much like Golden Bay 
uh, farewell spit area and um, is when you're over that ta- when you go over the top of the Takaka Hill, mm. there's a hell of a lot of New Zealand left before mm. you're at the end of farewell spit. There's mm. a lot of people, there's a lot of commerce, there's mm. a lot of oh, industry, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of agriculture yeah. and aquaculture and mm-hmm. tourism. Yep. Yep. The eastern side of the Coromandel is very mm-hmm. similar. Mm. Across the middle of that range, mm. there's one really key road. I mean, yep. we know there's sort of not because we've had to use the alternatives, but they're yep. a pain in the ass. There is yep. actually one fast key road over mm. the middle of the spine, mm. and there is a lot of New Zealand on the east. Yeah. yeah, you know, Fitianga, Tairua, Pawanui, Fongamata, Fitator. You add all the people up in there, and mm. you get way more than Thames Coromandel combined. Yeah, you know, and so, um, and I know because I've got some great mates living uh, over there and in Fitianga, mm. and like there are some businesses over there that have done oh, it more than yeah. incredibly well, hard, like running yeah. at fifty percent revenue well, this year. Yeah. I mean, there was a um, bit of a story just recently. Yeah, there's there's businesses that just aren't coming back. They've gone already. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they can't come back. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's um, yeah, it, it's it needed to be addressed and addressed quickly. But I, as I said, it's been proven now that they can do it. It can be done. We can do this. We can make these things happen. But you know, unfortunately, we seem to get tied up in red tape. Yeah, and uh, but that's what needs to be looked at. But uh, yes, anyway, Merry Christmas, the Coromandel, it looks like. 20th of December. That's it, looking looking very much like that's the date. We, we might actually... Are they going to have a... I wonder if they'll have a walk up the... I wonder if they'd be able to go up there and... Oh, that'll be neat. Have yeah. a walk on it and... I don't know. Look over the side I, or something. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, uh, yeah, they, they might even get um, the three musketeers up there to cut the ribbon. <laughs> Who's the three musketeers? Well, we've we've got three of them, haven't we? Who's that? Oh, <laughs> the, the, uh, Dave, Dave, Chris, and Winnie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris will cut this bit now. You two yeah. cut half each. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, cut half each. Half, you cut that half of the ribbon, and I'll cut. Yeah. The, who's yeah. cutting the first yeah. half of the yeah. half? Well, yeah. it's yeah. got to yeah. be me because I got more votes. Yeah, yeah I got more votes, and, and yeah, but 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 <laughs> without me, you can't do it. So yeah, it must yeah. be me. I'm the more important one. Oh, hold yeah. hands and do it together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. I I had, a, I had an old an old and an, a guy who I went very clever guy very funny guy. We went to school together right from primary school. He lives in the South Island now, and and it's just so cool when we get together. And that he is one of the funniest people that I've ever met. And um, he he called Chris Lux and the human thumb. Okay. <laughs> the human thumb. Yeah. <laughs> you draw a face on your thumb. <laughs> yeah, you've got the Naughty. 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 He's a lovely man. He is a lovely man. He's a lovely man. And uh, as long as he's a good yeah. prime minister, it's all we that's care, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Get yeah. things yeah. going yeah. and mm. get things done. And have you yeah. spoke? Have you spoken to Simeon yet at all? Have no, you? I haven't spoken to Simeon Brown yet. I was going to line up Simeon Brown. Yeah. No, yeah, we need yeah. to yeah, in the new year or something like that. We need to. I think we should have a talk. We might be able to get him on the Keep On Moving podcast. We may be able to. And the Blake's having the yarn section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, that would mm-hmm. be, yeah, because, um, yes, his, um, his predecessor is... Um, who was he, he shared again? some time with us. He did, he, he shared did, some he time did, with us. He did, right, he yeah, shared, at the beginning yeah. of his... Yeah, he, did, he, shared, yeah. he shared a few moments, several yeah, shares, in fact. Yeah, he shared a lot of time with us. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I wonder who he's sharing time with now. Yeah, that cricket. I think he wanted to be a cricket umpire, didn't he? Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, how yeah. that's going well for him. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. There well, it is. Yeah. That's it. We're yeah. going to move on. We're going to go straight from here on. We'll go into the feature interview. Hold on to your hats. It's an absolute 
It's uh, the Mike's Transport Warehouse feature interview starring the crew of motor truck distributors right from the start mm. when they um, and hear the great old stories is coming up very next. We wish you all a very happy Christmas from the blokes having a yarn section. Yep. Yep. Yeah, be safe out there and uh, enjoy your time off. Yeah, team, take care, look after each other. and uh, May all your trips over the new bridge on State Highway 25 be safe, be safe ones. And we look forward to seeing you all in the new year. Take care, everyone, and Bye. stay tuned for the Mike's Transport Warehouse future interview with the Motor Truck Distributors crew right from the start. My goodness, you won't believe the podcast that we've got for you today. I am in the residence of Clive Taylor in Paraparam, and there is a gathering of the originals from the Mac uh, assembly plant uh, in Palmerston North. The, who, they're all, I think they're all here. Would it be fair to say all the key people are here on? Or have we got well, ones that have passed on and left us? Uh, uh, all the ones that are still breathing. All the, one, all the ones that are still breathing. That, of course, as you and were well. if this gets too rough tonight, they mightn't all be still doing the same. That's exactly. <laughs> and for those of you that know, you know who that voice was. That was the voice of Ron Carpenter speaking as only he can. I'm going to get them to go around the room now, starting with Ron, introduce themselves, and then I'm going to ask some searching questions that will get this discussion underway. It'll go as long as it takes. We could be here till next Wednesday, I think, as the, stories, yeah. as the stories start to flow. And so, Ron, we'll start with you, and then Murray will go to you, and we'll work our way around the room. So, yep, you're first up. Who's here? All right, Ron Carpenter. Um wasn't quite sure what this was all going to turn into today, but it's absolutely incredible to have all of these original faces that are here. It brings back all sorts of thoughts, let alone the stories. Excellent. You good, sir. Murray Salby. Um, I joined the company in 1981 and uh, never thought I'd be there for the rest of my working, working days. Uh, stayed there for 38 years and was lucky enough to uh, head up the Mac brand for about 27 of those years. So very proud of where we went through that time and uh, a lot of uh, very, very good memories. And again, it's great to catch up with all these good, happy faces today. Excellent. You good, sir. And I'm David Beach. I joined, um, can't remember when, remember when it was, but it was 40 years ago. So I spent 40 years with the Mac product, went over to truck stops on the servicing and then staff training. So Still training for Mac and Volvo product. Excellent. And retired a couple of years ago, so that's me. Awesome. Thanks, David. I'm Vern Marshall. I <coughs> I joined in 1974 uh, in the workshop, and uh, I worked in the workshop doing the servicing for a while, and then I took over looking after all the new trucks as they come off the assembly line, and uh, I had 20 years there. Fantastic. Thanks, Mr. Clawson. Yeah, uh, Danny Clawson. Yeah, I uh, I don't know what date it was when I went to <laughs> Mac Trucks, to be honest, but I know it was uh, all on and uh, everybody had to get stuck in and everybody did and we had a whole lot of good groups and, um, and uh, I, I remember uh, with a bit of excitement when Ron walked out the door one day of his office towards the yard and he saw a couple of utes, one ute and one car parked on the on the <laughs> on the roof from the, <laughs> from the from the night from the night before. <laughs> so anyway I can't I, I, and it wasn't it was it wasn't long after that uh, we tested Ron again 
and uh, well, I wasn't involved, but uh, as usual, dogs are well out of the road. Um, but one of our men was trying to, um, yeah, have to show the old brain and work the frame way it used to be. Probably, lucky. probably just as well. Very lucky, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> but anyway, um, we had uh, Womble was a fairly big, big guy. And you wouldn't say that to his face, but anyway, he 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 was set to try, get a big rope and tie it round a ERF. They were trying to change, thought they could get the chassis straightened. <laughs> and anyway, when he would, and they keep screaming at him, it wasn't doing enough. He wasn't doing enough, and wasn't getting enough. And then all of a sudden, he was outside, <laughs> straight through. And anyway, I was sort of thinking, hell, what do we do here? And around the corner comes Ron. What the fuck is happening here? <laughs> you know? I, yeah, I don't know what to say, and neither did Ron, so he pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my, my memory of Danny Clawson is going down to pick up a new Mac in 1984, and him saying to me, do you want to go for a ride in a V8 Ultraliner? And I said, yeah. And there was a Billings truck there, Judy. Go to Dunedin? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you took me to Fielding and then let me drive it back so you'll always be the king and my mate. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah, mate. You said, here, drive it back to Palmerston North. I was like, you champion. Yeah, yeah. Right, next down the queue. Yeah, Pat Group Joined the company in 1976 as a parts assistant. Only lasted four or five months of that. And then, luckily enough, Ron put me out into the used vehicle sales, which... Is where I, yeah, selling, cleaning, getting all the used trucks up to date. Finally, got my own area covering the Taranaki and Wellington, not Wellington, Wairapa. Then on to the used vehicle sales job after a few years, and was in that until 2009. Yeah. Excellent. Pat, moving on. We've got a room full. <laughs> I'm Bruce Smith. I started in 1977 in the parts, and I lasted there for a while. Went, got transferred to Christchurch as parts manager when they um, put a Mac outfit down there. And after a wee while, I started selling trucks in Christchurch, and then I got transferred back to Palmerston um, and stayed there till 1998. And I've been steering trucks ever since. Yeah, hi, I'm Kevin Withers, better known as Jumbo. <laughs> I started there as a fresh-faced teenager in 1976, and by Christ did I learn some things. I grew up <laughs> I grew up in one hell of a hurry. I had some good, good people around me and people I still regard as mentors today. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm Brent Cooksley. I started in... Uh, the original assembly plant, March 1976, um, as an auto electrician, and then uh, worked my way up and became um, assembly manager, and retired last year after almost 47 years. Very great times there, good people, good man at Ron Carpenter. And the Mac 1000 weekend was highlight.
Are you still hungover? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and the trip the next year. Excellent. Thanks, Cookie. Uh, Pat O'Connor. Um, I started with the company in 1979. I felt a bit guilty at the time because Graham Taylor interviewed me for the job and he didn't, re- didn't realise that I was only going to be staying three months. That was my time frame. Maybe he knew more than I did because I left 32 years later. <laughs> and That's it, how good it was, eh? As Cookie said, they were pretty special days. The, the um, camaraderie and, and the, the teamwork was just fantastic. It was, it was just so special and uh, pretty ably led by Ron. That was pretty demanding at times, but uh, you'd be working in the middle of the night and then Ron would turn up with some, some fish and chips for the boys or whatever, and uh, it was just shoulder to shoulder. Um, Really special times, and uh, we, I progressed as a mechanic and uh, finished up with Rick Wood, my colleague, looking after the, basically travelling around the North Island, fixing the Mack trucks as they were sold and, and occasionally broke down, and, and I was looking after the South Island, and I'd come to work on a Monday morning with a, with a suitcase of clothes, and uh, because almost inevitably, not always, but almost inevitably, you'd finish up getting on a plane and, and flying to the South Island somewhere, anywhere from Invercargill to Picton to fix a truck on the side of the road. They're very special days, special times. Oh, my name is Ross Cask. I joined in 77 and uh, left uh, 2000, yeah, 19 to 2000. Uh, worked on assembly. Um, Really enjoyed doing, we were constantly doing 63 and a half hours a week. And, you know, it was great. Good atmosphere, good crowd of guys. And Stuart and Ron, great bosses and that. Good place to work for. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Rick. Yeah, Rick Wood here. I joined the company in 79 also. There was quite a few of us and uh, joined about that time. And uh, one of the first conversations I had with my boss is he, he told me that he'd never employ a POM. <laughs> and I said, well, that's all right. I, I solemnly swore I'd never work for a Kiwi. So uh, <laughs> we, we, we got off on a good footing and very quickly they knocked my Pommy accent out of me. And, uh, really? <laughs> and uh, I'd have to say, by a norm, it's the best job I've ever had in my life. I was there for... Th- like Pat for 30 odd years, and um, management was next to none. They looked after us very well. They um, were concerned when we went away and we didn't back, bring back receipts. And Graham Taylor was the one that used to, Scotty Dog, as I used to call him, because he was the meanest one there. He complained about no receipts on my first trip away. and. So I brought back the burger bags the second time and put them on his desk and he never, he never asked again. <laughs> but yeah, I, I enjoyed and I still enjoy meeting up with these guys. They're good people. They looked after me well, set me up in New Zealand and if it wasn't for them, I, I may have turned around and gone back to UK and you probably think that would be a good thing. But, <laughs> but no, I've loved every moment of it for all 32 years and I thank each and every one of you guys for making it possible for me. Thank you. Excellent. Is, who have we got down the back there? Bob. Bob, no? No, righto. Okay, Ron, we're going to kick this off. You can all just, if you hear something as we transit through the story and like, feel free to grab a microphone. He's a friend now. He's not your boss. So <laughs> he'll always be the boss. He's he always won't. a friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, 
I know that feeling because if, if Dave, Dave Milan, if he rings me, I answer it straight away, regardless of what else I've got on, because he'll always be the boss. So, uh, Ron, we're in 1968, are we? Palmerston North Motors, and there's lots of people haggling for the Mac franchise in New Zealand, and you're in amongst them, but you've got some contacts that might just help you get it across the line. Is that right? Well, that sounds about the way it happened. Uh, it was a very personal thing, and um, the Andersons, uh, who were big in trucking and vehicles in Australia, uh, one way or another, I ended up in contact with them when they were coming out for various other associated interests in New Zealand and um, and I think I sold myself without knowing I was doing it about nine o'clock at one night sitting in the bloody laundry talking to, <laughs> talking to one of the two Anderson brothers and yeah, we ended up getting a go. Getting a go. And uh, so Motor Truck Distributors was formed. Yeah, well, uh, Motor Truck Distributors was Palmer's North Motors with a name change. Right. After we got going as Palmer's North Motors, um started getting down into the bottom of the South Island and uh, you were dead. If you're from the North Island, you didn't exist. Truly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. So you're from overseas and you're one of those bloody wankers, you know, just like Auckland is on now. Yeah. <laughs> so we changed the company name. Yeah. Uh, that's how that came about. Oh, okay. That's Oh, right. That, that was the genesis. So it wasn't another company. It was the same company. Yeah, yeah, but that was the genesis for the name switch was getting into the Southland. It was. Far out. That's awesome. Yep. Okay. So we just sort of got going. I was green as grass and we had to fight like hell, work like hell. Um, in those days, uh, anything that was... Britain or British Commonwealth paid six and a quarter percent duty. Everything else paid forty-five percent, and all of that then, ultimate after that, was compounded by forty percent sales tax. Oof. So, uh, Mac Australia worked their hearts out to get fifty-one percent Australian content, and I can remember Volvo did that a few years before. That's why all the G88s come out with. Venetian blinds in the window. They, <laughs> they, what they didn't bloody have. For, and no matter how much it cost, it didn't matter. It was Australian content till they got over the line and then it was six and a quarter percent. Yeah, yeah, because it was part of the realm at that stage. So yeah. uh, we eventually thought it was there. The Aussie sent all the paperwork. We sent it into customs. And in those days, you know, the government was God. You didn't bloody query. You didn't get grumpy. You just, we did what we had to do. And, in the end, the Aussies got grumpy because they hadn't heard. So they sort of forced me to give them a ring. Customs said, oh, I don't know. I'll have a look and ring you back. They did. Rang me back and said, yeah, you're approved. Buffer. Just so, like that. So um, Mac Australia had built three trucks and couldn't wait, sold them, built three more for Bill Reeves and Graham Manson. And um, I was naive. I didn't think about paying for them. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't ask. <laughs> so they just started supplying trucks on current account till I sold them. Yeah. Now there we went. And where you went. Yeah, that would have been quite handy for cash flow, for supplying them on current account until you sold them. The only ones that were happy with cash flow was enough on Thursdays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the first three came in semi-built up? Well, that was called, um, yeah, uh, it was, was assembly, but it was bullshit. It had already been built and driven. Everyone else was doing the same. Yep. No, nothing was built, being actually manufactured. So, yeah, they came in, they'd been knocked down, and um, we put them back together. Right. So when that those first ones arrived, they were they were 
they were like cab was separated off the chassis and cab was lifted off the chassis. Yep. The axles were out, uh, wheels and rims were out, and everything was. I think the fuel tanks, bits, pieces like that, were all stacked and tied down along the chassis rails. And so, where did that reassembly process, for want of a better word, happen? Where did you do that? Oh, we uh, we got a shed in Matapo Street. Hired Stuart McKeg, uh, who was uh, doing all the truck service, uh, the manager of a small truck workshop at yep. Armadale Motors. Yep. Hired him. He had to give three weeks' notice, and 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 these trucks arrived a day after he turned his notice in. So um, he was working for us while he was working for them, and then coming to do work for us while he worked his time out there. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yep, yep. And so they continued. So uh, um, from right in the first year of the seven or eight trucks that were sold, the bulk of them went to Wallings, didn't we they? We did seven, and I think probably the next four, three at least went to Wallings. Yep, yep. At that stage in 1972, around about when the first ones arrived, Neil Peterkin uh, put together a, a trip to the Brisbane Truck Show. Had forty operators from all around the country. It just was coincidental, not because of Mac. Yep. And um, when we got over there, Mac Trucks Australia put on a bus. They took us up to Toowoomba to see the leaders starting to be built. Oh, yeah. Yep. Looked after us like nothing. And over the years, I can't tell you how many. Every single one of those forty operators bought Macs. Yeah, it was a great. Did you great service? It was. Yeah. Yes. That was very, very uh, helpful. Well, it was. <laughs> Very fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, excellent. What happened next? What happened next? I give this to Cookie, he didn't take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got one of his own. I've got, un- got one. Oh, he's got one. sitting under his armpit. He's not- <laughs> yeah. So were you surprised at the, were you surprised at the initial, um, uh, de- like, was demand immediate and voluminous or did uh, you have to work for Always the got a good hearing. Uh, Bill Reeves. He wanted in um, because he'd driven them in the war. Oh, yeah. Um, Graham Manson, uh, he was close with a, a bloke by the name of Keith Hunt. Yeah. Who, with a, with the, um, one of the owners and the, the accountant from, Roadways, the biggest construction company in New Zealand down south at Omaru, they had actually obtained the Mac franchise because they wanted a new prime mover for Roadways about three years earlier and ended up doing nothing with it. But they formed a company called Nismac Industries and they, they bought the first Nissans in right. when import licensing was dropped out, um, went to bring a Mac in and... And Mac said, oh, no, no, don't bring it in yet. It's the B model and the new R model's out next year. So they waited for that. And then, oh, Christ, no, don't do that because this old um, 256 horse, I forget the model designation, V8 engine is an absolute bloody pig. You can't take that. It'll let you down. So they end up not bringing anything in. And I knew those guys. In fact, I put all the wheels and tyres together on the assembly of the first Nissans that ever came into New Zealand. Right. So it was a, it was a bunch of connections. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. And the Brisbane, the Australia Day floods was a big moment in the early days because it ceased oh, the... That, that stuffed us, yeah. Yeah. 26th, I think, or 20, 26th of January. Yeah. Water went through their plant 26 feet deep. 
26 feet. There was a big plant, and, and the mud was just where the eaves came down to the walls. Shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we got nothing. We had a good start. We had orders, and sorry, buddy, nothing. We got nothing more there for 18 months. We had to start all over again. And the Yanks by then were in, and um, oh no, we'll quote you out of America. Well, I said, no, no, well, they insisted. I said, well, you know, you're just not going to cut the mustard, uh, 45% duty. Well, they give us a bloody quote. And uh, I just went $10,000 each cheaper than the bloody Aussies would cut. <laughs> uh, after duty. After duty. Excellent. So, yeah, yeah all boats lead to America. We, well, then, <laughs> so we went that way uh, and had tin cabs and set of plastic and all the things that came through. But... But we did had 18 months or more, I think, before your time. Wasn't it? About then, with nothing. We'd made a great start. Wallings wanted more. Forest Products had told Wallings, well, replace your fleet or you're fired. Um, they had Leylands that, you know. Yep. And their Leylands were good, you know. Yep. All the way from Tauranga to Kinley on the side of the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, he ordered 12 more Leylands and out of consolation gave us two Max. Oh, they can deliver. I said, they can't. So in, I think, 12 months, they delivered two that they'd had built lying out in the yard. Oh, they yeah. rust all around them, two Crusaders. <sighs> yeah, yeah. And we delivered after three months, which we said we could. And he said, oh, I need them, I need them. Keep them coming, keep them coming. The first one to deliver 12 will get them. So we got the lot. Yeah, we yeah. got all by those two. And, and so you built the, but your... I remember, and I got, and I remember Dave Milanovic talking about this. You know, like that, you your focus in the early days was service, service the trucks that are out there, service. And in the readings the that fundamental, I'm, and I tell you what, we're on the buying end now, and it's never been more important, and it's never less recog- been recognised less, is that the truck, the customer you got, is worth more by ninety nine to one than the customer that you're trying to get. Yep. And you look after the one you got. Otherwise, you get a new customer, and while you're not looking, one one of your customers is walking out the back door. Yeah, so we had a padlock on the back door. That was what we were saying, wasn't it, Danny? And they just kept accumulating. Yep, yep. Because there was stories in early writings that I've read in, in all of the publications about assembling trucks all week till ten or eleven o'clock at night in the early days, and then in the weekend going out and servicing the ones that were, and that looking after the ones that were working. Well, all sorts of things happened. Yeah. Yep, excellent. So, uh, 1976 became parts uh, piece assembly, parts assembly. Yep, and that's the that year was, that you that started was, cooking. That was first manufacture. Yeah, it wasn't reassembly. Yep. So that was get a bunch of parts and boxes and build a truck out of it. We in those days, uh, computers produced everything they produced on pajama paper. Yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. I know pajama green, paper. Green yeah, that's funny. We've heard it called that before. And the filler <laughs> materials for a truck. <laughs> Yeah. It was double-sided pyjama paper that thick. Yeah, is that right? 2,341 part number, such and such washer. Uh, oh. Yep. And then at one stage I started looking through that and did a lot of work. Uh, I put a lot of time in at night myself. And, uh, fuck this. If we brought those washers in, they're duty-free. We bought those bolts in there duty-free. Had a look, and a third of what was on there, if it didn't come in as part of a truck, because it was an invoice as a truck. Right. It was the invoice. Yes. Commercially, 
getting a third of this truck coming in duty-free. So it took us two years. In the end, we got an unpublished concession from customs just for us for duty-free entry. Far out, yep, yep. And then we extended that to Hino. When, when Ford was selling Hino's, we were doing Ford's assembly, and we got unpublished concession for duty-free entry on the Hino's too. <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> so win win. So that seventy six. I'll get you can have a break now, Cookie. That's the year you started. You're walking into it. When did you start pre the pe- the the parts assembly, or were you in the transition? Uh, I started just before. What I started, um, the steel cabs were in from America, but they were SKD. That's right, Aaron. A few of them. A few of them. Were yeah. And then um, the first CKDs were the F model. And Norm Brill at the time, he had been just been come back from Australia to learn how to right-hand drive the steel cabs for when they came into here for assembly. Yep. So that's, that's when I started, yeah. And, um, yeah, we like, like the boys have said, we used to work, like, overtime every night, Saturday mornings, get those trucks done. But, but the culture was... The, the culture made it. You just you were, you, yeah. you were felt part of it, and you're into it. Yeah, but we did. You got one. rewarded too. We had one patch there in a recession. I'm sure you remember. We had to cut the overtime out. Yeah. For three or four months, and honestly, when we went back, went back to get it together, we couldn't get everyone back because all their wives had gone out to get jobs. Uh, you know, like oh yeah. Cleaning, cleaning houses, cleaning office cleaning. Yep. And um, they left someone at home babysitting. It took a long time to get it. Everyone wanted to come back, but that was what the times were like. You should have said, bring the kids, we'll give them a socket set, yeah, they, can, yeah. they can start putting stuff together. <laughs> so yes. what was your first job, Cookie? Like, what did you get in I, I started my apprenticeship at a, a shop in Palmer's North called Cliffs. was an auto electrician. Yep. I did six years then. And then um, Stuart McKeg rang me up. He said, I've heard, I heard you're looking for a job. I said, yeah, I'm thinking about moving on. He says, come up and see me. So I went up there on a Saturday morning because the, the electrician they had, he was going to Australia to live. So they were they needed somebody pretty quick. So I go up to see Stu on a Saturday morning and walk into that, the old Molden Street shed there, which is still the same shed, and I look for Stu and out from under a truck on the creepers, Stu with a bit of a beard and a fag hanging out and... <laughs> No rules and very quietly spoken guy and says, uh, showed me around and says, when can you start? Didn't ask if I had any qualifications or anything, you know. And I says, oh, she's a bit of, I'll have to give me boss some notice. And he says, oh, here, get his order book out. Uh, order books in those days. Writes out the order. Here, take this back. Give him an order for two weeks and come straight away. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly what happened. And, and, oh, and it go awesome. back at the night time as well, you know. I think I earned more working here in those first few weeks at night time I did at Cliffs in the daytime, so <laughs> she was bloody good. <laughs> yeah. So, so when, did, when did you appear on the horizon, Mr Salby? Were you, were, you, were you lurking on the scene anywhere about now or in history or when did you turn up? I'm much younger than those guys. In <laughs> <laughs> 1981, I was, I was driving trucks and uh, I was in fielding having a beer one night, one afternoon. And uh, there happened to be a said Mr. Clawson there, who who I knew through my driving days, 
And uh, he said to me, we're looking for a salesman at the moment. And he said, any one of you guys could do the job. And I'd not thought too much about it, but I thought, oh, well, maybe maybe I could. So I went home and talked to my wife and she said, yeah, 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 yeah why don't you give it a go? So I rang Danny up about, well, I think it was on a Saturday. And on a Sunday morning, I rang him about 6.30, normal start for a truckie. And uh, he was still in bed asleep because he's a salesman. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I said, well, that job, you reckon I'll be all right for that job, Dan? And he said, yeah, shit, you come over, we'll have an interview. So I went over and saw him during the week, had an interview. He took me in to see Ron, and uh, I met Ron, and uh, I said to Ron, look, I'm keen to give it a go, but I don't know anything about selling trucks. And Ron said, well, that is effing good. He said, you won't have any bad habits and we'll teach you everything you need to know. So really I started a couple of three weeks later and uh, he got into selling used trucks. I was working with Pat Group at the time on the yard and uh, soon after started selling new trucks in the Wellington region and then went back to the back to the office and a few years after two or three years and took over the used vehicle division for the whole of New Zealand really when we when Hino and... Uh, Hino and ARF came into the group. Uh, I was asked if I'd look after the used vehicles for everyone in the whole group. and uh, So I had a crack at that for quite a few years and then Danny departed the scene and decided to do something for himself and I got offered the job as, as Matt, uh, National Sales Manager. So I had a crack at that and uh, not long after Ron, Ron left the company, sold out, and I was offered the job as uh, General Manager for... For, uh, for Mac. So I took that on and, uh, yeah, 27 years after that, I was still there. I was, I was just going to uh, say, when you said da- Danny left and I got offered the job as Mac sales manager, I was going to say, shit, that stuck, didn't it? <laughs> There's nobody else. <laughs> yeah, there was nobody else. There's nobody else that could put up with those guys out in that mod centre, I think. <laughs> I was the only one tough enough to put up with them. Hey, Ron yeah, yeah, yeah. taught me a lot, he said. Yeah, this, is, same as us, this is how you handle these guys. <laughs> when you, when you, can I ask you a question? Like, but when you, in 81, when you made the decision... Rung Danny, yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah, no, but like when you, like when you got there, was it was the like when you because you 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 get that feeling straight out. Like when you walked, were you? How long did it take you to go? Shit, this is a cool place to work. These guys are neat. First Tuesday night, initially, initially the camaraderie was just. I mean, I'd never worked anywhere like it before. Well, it was the only place I'd worked with that number of staff. Yeah. And the camaraderie was just—I'd never experienced it. It was absolutely incredible. But I have to tell you, you had to earn your stripes. Yep. Uh, Stuart McKeegan never made anything very easy for anyone. (laughs) But uh, yeah, you had to earn your stripes, and uh, I could—I just thought this is this is this is incredible. I just loved it. Yeah. and I got a, I started, I mean, before, I'll be perfectly honest, before I started, I knew what a Mack truck was, but I didn't really have a passion for Mack. Yeah. But it didn't take long, and uh, when you saw what was being done, what took me was the, the after-service network we had in these Pat O'Connors and the Rick Woods and those guys, and the love, the guys in the mod centre they had, or the, the assembly plant that had for the customers, and the, and the relationship between the customers... The assembly plant and the service division, which was all MTD, yeah. like we all knew every customer, we all knew how important it was to them, and we all knew what it was about, and everyone worked for each other. Yeah. And I'd never seen that before. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. Uh, 
it just grew, didn't it? Yeah. And, uh, I knew every Mac customer, I knew where the truck had gone back in those early days before the Mac 1000, and then we had the Mac 1000. I was heavily involved in in organising or helping Ron and the team in that in that, uh, that that event that weekend, and that just sealed me for life, really, and things just grew. I yeah. never, ever thought that I would head up the brand in New Zealand, and I've had so many good years and met so many people all over the world yeah. involved with Mac, and you still do now. Once you've been with Mac, if you meet someone in America or anywhere at all that's involved with Mac, you're part of the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Cookie, that, a question for you that on the back of what Murray's just saying, because it's really different when you're actually creating something. Like, something arrives on a boat and you sell it, that's amazing. But when you actually start with a bunch of steel and rubber and plastic and bits and pieces and vinyl and you actually out the other door a week later comes something you've built. Like, did you, were trucks, oh, how am I going to say this? Were there, like, when you were creating the children down the assembly line and then they came back for repairs or work, did you, like, were you like, oh, I remember you, you were a prick on the assembly line, you caused us some heartache, <laughs> or, oh, you were, you know, you're a great truck, I really enjoyed putting you together sort of thing. Was it, did you have, an, a, is there, a, like, a relationship with the trucks that you sort of, is ongoing? Or? Well, in the assembly plant, we didn't really see much of the truck again later because it yep. was the service divisions. Oh, yeah. But we had great, great satisfaction of seeing that product from woe to go, you know. Yeah. You've got to realise that, when they pulled those out of the containers, there's so many parts to that CKD truck. It used to come in 10 at a time, mostly, yep. and big cardboard boxes with Mac written on them and just full of nuts and bolts you had to sort out and bin all the parts first before you even started building them. Yeah. And correlate, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yep. like, when they're finished, it was really good. And most of the times, the customer, a lot of owner-drivers back then. Yeah. And they used to come down when you'd finished or near the finished and look at the truck See it finished last day and then get on the beers with you. Yeah. Very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong and with that. And they ca- used to return and buy more. Nothing wrong with account management 101. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can see you're eating. <laughs> Thursdays were the chosen day for delivering a new truck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll pick it up yes. on Thursday. And all these buggers here. <laughs> and I never objected. Yeah. But I used to hide in the background. Ran a relay over at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> and more than a few customers, I'll admit it now, they only got as far as Bulls, even at midnight, and they pulled into the Bridge Motel. Yeah. <laughs> with it's, their trucks. As far as they, they could go. They didn't get home. Yeah. <laughs> That's they awesome. Still talk, they still talk about the Thursday night, yeah. so Ron, I think. Unfortunately, Ron was probably Smith & Smith's Glass Company's best customer back in them days, <laughs> Fridays. <laughs> Oh, there we go. Yeah, it's all. This is what we're after. <laughs> I can remember one night. Where, well, it was the same every bloody Thursday. Big group, big table, and you know, when the beer was getting a bit low, I'd give Stu or someone a nod. They'd go and get a few more jugs. This went on half the night. <laughs> you know, one night, and I you know all about this. What? <laughs> Your bloody mate from Rongatia, John. What's his name? And I went out for a piss. And I was, stand, oh. I was standing there at the up at the wall. John Masters, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next minute, one on each side picked me up, <laughs> carried him back in the lion heaven. And you bastard! Everyone else is bloody chatting around, and you haven't. You're invisible. All the bloody non receipts are going to turn up on my desk in the morning anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Mr. Clawson, I've got a question for you, if you would like to grab a microphone. So were you uh, selling in the transition between the semi-built-up trucks and then the fully parts trucks? Were you? Did you sell through that transition or...? Well, I was working um, at down at Jollier Mills as a salesman down there and uh, that's how I actually, someone from Ron sent somebody to see me <laughs> and all of a sudden I was working with Ron. But, um, Just like that. Yeah, but, yeah, pretty much. And the reason being is that um, you know, it's not many people had the opportunity to be able to sell a Mack truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was only driving one of buddy cutting logs about a couple of months beforehand. And, um, yeah, so I was pretty... I was pretty set on seeing if I could actually be of any worth in the company. And, uh, yeah, when we got stuck in. Excellent. And so what, did... So what was the question? So when the, <laughs> when the trucks changed from the, built, the semi-built-up ones from Australia to fully parts, truck built from parts, was that an easier truck to sell to people? Like, was it easier to sell a real... Something they could just build out of their brain, like... Custom, fully no, customized? I don't think so. No. We, our, our guys were so good at actually bloody manufacturing something that it didn't really matter. Nothing got out there. They might have come from Australia, but they didn't look like Australia when they left. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. No, I see a guy down here with a fucking hat on, a flipping hat, I should say. <laughs> I think, I think he must have come from Australia. He came back from Australia. You jumbo, eh? <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's good times, all right. There's no debate of it. No so that that, it. that ability to customise a, a truck to make it fit, even if it was, is that lasted right through history, didn't it? Eight wheeler superliner. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so when the uh, when the V8 superliner arrived, and then the V8, then the Mac Ultra liner arrived, was there a sense of these things are going to walk out the door like? They, they, we, won't, we won't be able to build enough of these things. Well, just as well we didn't walk out the door because we were flat out building them. Yeah, no, but I mean, yeah. like, did you we, Did no, you like we this? Never were like that. Yeah. Um, I can't good? recollect ever get someone knocking on the door, walking in and saying, I want one. Right. Because for a start, you couldn't get one. Yeah, yeah. Sitting on the showroom floor anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we got plenty of deals like that, but they were repeats. Yeah. So it just flowed. It we, just, we were all putting the work in and the results came. First of all, with an inquiry, then an order, and then spec out the truck exactly to what they wanted, then build it. It, it, it was just a flow through. So, how did you break into the off highway scene, into the really big gear and Kyanga Raw? Like, how did the how did the, how did that happen? Same customers that, that bought road trucks. Right. Yep. So it wasn't a matter of breaking in. Mac made the bloody things, including the fire engine. So. Yep. We were alert to, to a sale. Yeah, the fire engines were an interesting thing. The F, the F Series Max at the airport, they were pretty cool. I remember going on a school trip and thinking. The, the, fir- the first few of those came SKD. Yeah. And the first one the boys put together as a right hand drive, they drove out the bloody door, turned the steering wheel right, and the truck went left. Before your time. Yeah. They left the steering box on the inside of the chassis. Right. And it had to go. From the inside there, to the outside there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So um, when did the move to – what year did the move to Malden Street happen? Like, What year did that happen? Uh, that was quite early on, 74? Oh, probably – 74? Yeah, it would be at least 74. It could have been late 73, 74 probably. Yep. Early 74. Yep. 
And so, how did the how did the grow, how was the did, did the company grow quicker than you'd expected, or it was everything planned, or was based on as you could get product, or or were you amazed at the speed of the growth? Or? I get asked that question a number of times, and on the way through, and also with our existing business, and don't have expectations. That's interesting. Just yep. don't have them. Yep. And uh, you know what you want to do. You, you're pretty single-minded about it. You know, you think you know. Time will tell how best to do it, what you should do. Get your arse in the gear and do it. And then every once in a while something crops up and you look back and think, yeah, that's been good. We've made a lot of progress. Yep. But you, you look forward and you set goals and they become artificial if circumstances go against you and then you're not true to, true to form. Yeah, excellent. Good. That's some, that's some pretty, good, pretty sage advice in there. So you won awards from Mack Trucks for um, the quality of the assembly, like dealership of the World Dealership Award, like for the yeah. quality of the trucks you were Not the way they out. do it now. Bloody awards left, right and centre, right down to dealer level. But yeah, yeah we were... Distributed the year. We yeah. were... Um, Murray and I went over with you. Sorry? When you, when you got your jacket wrong. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to think what it was called. But dealer of the, dealer we, of the we, year. International Dealer of the Year it was. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that was for overall performance as a business within the Mac under the Mac name, basically. Well, as a as a um, an appointed national distributor, international distributor. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So that must have made you pretty proud, considering where it all started. And it yeah, I didn't know much about it. They bloody take your coat off you and put a green jacket on you. And it was only about two days later I realised that was something to do with golf. I don't play golf. <laughs> Ah, that's funny. No, it yeah. actually wasn't something to do with golf, <laughs> but it was the same colour as a golf jacket. Yeah, yeah, it was the and master's. In Australia, and it's in Australia, it's very, very, you've, you've done very, very extremely well to actually get ever get a green jersey, a yeah. green jacket. Yeah. But Ron didn't seem to see it. Remember <laughs> what it was? <laughs> Can we just do what we do? But the green, just... the green jacket was because the winner of the US Open yes. gets a green jacket. Yeah, yeah, so it was all reflective of that and the Nats were to carry on. So the 1,000th Mac celebrations, that must have been a big, back in 87, that must have been a big moment for of a sense of achievement for everybody. It was good. Yeah, was I, remember, I remember the gathering in Palmerston North was colossal. Every, yeah. Everyone who'd ever worked for us, everyone, everyone who ever bought a truck. Yep. Yep. yep, and the main street of Palmerston North was a traffic jam with the parade and ninety-four trucks. Yeah, ninety-four trucks. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And so, was everyone still a sobering moment, sort of thing? Was everyone still there at that stage? Like that was because that was what was that seventy-two to eighty-seven? So yeah. fifteen years. That was about eighty-six. Might have been eighty-seven. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, we, yeah. We, it was a bad year. And I can remember it once when it registered. I'm sure it wasn't the only year. Then we had three people leave. Right. Out of 186 or something. Yeah. By that, by that stage. Yeah. That's yeah. a very low staff turn. Yeah, yeah, very low staff turn. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we had a uh, customers go over to... You're right, yep, you're right. You're talking to it, you're right. Yep. It's, it's on right. now, isn't yep. it? You're right. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I've, I've, I've sort of been there, got a bit of a throat and all that stuff going on, not too good. But anyway, other than that, yeah, um, we had a big big shindig 
and um, we had a, a Mary fellow come along and <laughs> did, did, <laughs> Billy, Billy T. James, or, and he, he sang and somebody um, jumped on the stage and fell over and but, but it was a hell of a good night and the day was unbelievable, the weather was beautiful and then everybody that actually, every customer that went there and owned a Mack truck, um, they they um, got the opportunity to... They had to buy one, order one from they had to order one from the rest of the year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And um, in the next month, anyway, order a truck. Yeah. And then wife and I took a, a team of pretty reasonable ones. <laughs> Got a bit rough and tough while we were in America in nineteen eighty eight. Order a truck in the next month since Matt one thousand, and uh, we'll give you a trip to Allentown. Right. Excellent. Yeah, it was yeah. July 1988 we went there. Eh? July 88? Yeah. 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 Come on. Yep. Yeah. I remember when we were over there, though, um, Alan Will was a salesman, and unfortunately he's um, passed away not so long ago. Uh, Alan, he used to do quite a lot of stuff out of uh, mid-North mid Island, and uh, he decided that, He'd look pretty flashy if he had a, had a hat on, and he had and he'd put it on, and then he had uh, well, what? He's a sail. He's a, to look like a sailor. Yeah, 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 like yeah. A sailor. And he got up to, <laughs> to one of these places, and they wouldn't take him in because he, uh, <laughs> he, he unless he takes his head off, his hat off. <laughs> yeah. Why well, would I take my hat off? He says. <laughs> Well, we had about three people came out and dragged him out. <laughs> I had to go out with them to find out what the hell was going on. Well, he's telling them they're a bunch of pricks and that's not <laughs> We're just going to put you in jail, get the no and L, and he probably didn't want to pay. Police force. <laughs> and uh, anyway, anyway, in the end, it got sorted itself. But uh, really, um, yeah, he got a bit, uh, <laughs> a bit over the top there. So how many people went on that trip? How many people went on that order it now and go to Allentown trip? Yeah. What a, was it in the... It was around about 40, 40, 40 and 50. 40 and 50? It was yeah. a bus load, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it was about five staff, eh? You, me, Ross, yeah. Carl Capstick, yeah. and Alan Wheel. Hangers on, by the sound of it. Yeah. <laughs> we were there to help you. We were there to help you, Dan. I know. Rick Wood, you're very <laughs> quiet over there. Do you, talk, t- talk us through your arrival and, and what you did and... and Oh, here he is right there. Yeah, here he is right there. Well, I'm not sure I have much to say about it, but um, went down to Palmerston North for 12 months, and it was actually Bob Fraser over here that won't say anything. Um, He actually, I worked with Bob prior to... um, Well, no, Graham Taylor actually hired me, um, but Bob put me on to Graham, and and Graham Taylor hired me, and... Both came out of provincial. Yep. Provincial transport, the old provincial the transport. The old provincial transport, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, I, I started from there and I served exactly a year and a day in Palmerston North and then I was had two options. One was to go over and run Mount Monganui branch or to go and set up a branch in Hamilton because Wayne Kennedy, who was there first before me, he actually um, set up the branch and he was moving on. So I went to Hamilton and... Within no time, 
we took over Freightways Workshop and started doing all our fleet repairs and and then behind the scenes Ron had done quite a bit of wheeling and dealing with Freightways and it just grew from there and got to the stage where I just didn't have time to work so we employed people and and it grew from there but just go back a little ways um, Ron mentioned you mentioned the the off-highway trucks in Murapara yeah I can remember that clearly because Murapara came under my maintenance area uh-huh. and um, what happened is Ron, as he used to do in those days, went overseas and he, he, fought, he found a whole lot of DM trucks were parked on the wharf and I think they were destined for Iran or somewhere like that and he purchased a group of them and brought them all back to New Zealand. And then Maro left hand drive 24 inch rims and Maro Logging had just ordered two big off highway Kenworths and they couldn't supply and they said, oh well your Max won't do the job. So Ron said, I bet you they will and supplied two Mac trucks into there and that was the start of something tremendous down there because those Mac trucks just went helpful in them. Nobody yep. could believe what they could do, and they outperformed the Kenworths uh, non-stop. Yeah, thanks. The only difference was is I, I had to repair diffs overnight and turbochargers and things like that, but they were they worked really really hard. And then that went on to the superliners. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and then um, a few people put intercoolers on the front of the superliners and. Tried to put two turbos on them, and we did all sorts of things down there. But that was the start of a lot of um, the work down there. So, so those first DMs would have been what speak were they like? What motor were they running in trans and all Three, that? Three seventy five. Three seventy five. Yeah, oh, yeah. They had a four speed auxiliary on the back of a um, spicer box. Spicer box. Yeah. So they had forty, they had forty odd gears. Yeah, triple skin rails. Triple skin Triple rails, skin rails yeah. heavy, heavy. heavy So that would speak for what, 120 tonnes sort of thing? Uh, yeah. They would have been probably at least that one. We registered them. Yep. They had been ordered and built for Iran. Yep. And that's when the shit hit the fan. They took the American hostages and uh, oh, okay. the embargo. They couldn't, couldn't send them on. Do you want to just grab a mic? you want to just grab a mic? Because this is great stuff. This is awesome. Yeah, that was Jimmy Carter's time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so a total embargo on Iran. And, um, oh, shit, you're going to – I won't say anymore. <laughs> it's going to be heard with <laughs> yeah. about, about Iran. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So one of the things I can remember clearly in the early days, there was rumours going around that Mac, um, Ron sold Mac number one about three times. And everybody believed they had number one Mac. And it, this, this must have permeated down into the service department because every time I went out to a breakdown and it was the camshaft gone, I'd have to say, well, this is the first one I've ever seen. I've never known one of these before, do that. And by that time, we had it down to a fine art of changing them in about six and a half hours. And turbochargers were the same. I've never seen this before. And uh, <laughs> that went on for a long time. So Should have been first, a salesman. Yeah, yes. that, that first thing was a great thing. And it did as a thought it could. But people knew they broke down. They weren't bothered about that. But they also knew they'd fix it straight away. Yeah, 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 yeah. One fleet I can remember, which was Regal Haulage back in the early days, was Tower 40 Contractors. And... 
Rob McCarty knew they broke down. He said to me the first time he went there, he said, I know these break down. He said, but I heard you guys can fix them quickly. Um, he, Rob McCarty worked through the night with me on, on changing the camshaft, and then we both fell asleep in his kitchen yep. after some dinner. Um, that built relationships that went on and on and on, and yep. still strong now. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I remember Trevor Masters telling me years ago when I, and saying, don't, don't believe anyone that ever tells you they miss a gear, but that they never miss a gear because they're talking shit. Everyone misses gear. What I'm interested in is what happens after that. How do you recover it? Yeah. And then it's the same yeah. with the trucks, isn't it? Exactly all, right. all mechanical devices break down. When it breaks down, the clock's ticking until you get it going again. And to add, add to what Rick just said, the beauty of, of our situation was CKD, we had heaps of trucks in stock. Yes. Parts were just taken well, everybody on the road. do not have a part. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Cookie, when the off-highway unit started to come, like the, the gear, the off-highway gear that got bigger and bigger started to filter through the line... What? Um, how did that affect your side of the operation? Like, did it did it affect the line much in terms of space no, and dimensions or anything? Because they, they got bigger and bigger and bigger, didn't they? Just carried on the same. Just carried on yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The shed was always the same height. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, it didn't didn't slice up at all. The only reason I ask is you think about the footprint of a two thirty seven R model yeah. in a factory floor compared to a you know an off highway superliner going to mark. It's, it's almost twice the footprint, isn't it? Really? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, we coped. We coped. Yeah, yeah. Had yeah. our own paint shop then, of course, which helped. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Everything's yeah. Everything's painted on site and straight yeah. out to be put together. On went the orange. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so, Ron, what was the process in the early days? Just talk to me about when a new model was on the horizon. So, let's go right back to the start three FRs, a few FRs, and then all of a sudden the R model's looming. Then the, so, how did you develop that process of. A new models coming on stream and and sort of morphing that into the factory, and and sort of getting it all getting it up and running. I'm just I, I don't know. I'm just asking from the point of view of. Well, it was just an evolutionary thing. There was no go to there, stop and start again with with something new because it was CKD. Yeah. And all of the cab overs and the R models used exactly the same chassis frame, yeah. the same rails. Yep. So we could. When we buy uh, a, an order for 10 vehicles, even though it was all 10 million parts, um, we would get would be minimum quantity of 10 of, it, 10 of each, be, be 10 trucks, even though it was millions of parts. Yeah, yeah. If we wanted to, depending on cost and demand, uh, the last order was cab overs, this order's R models. Yeah. I mean, the R model... One of the R models by chassis number was built as a cab over or vice versa. So it just sort of flowed on an evolutionary basis. And you know, model change slowly comes. Um, we're on a lead time of three or four months from when you ordered your material. Yep. So you'd, you'd manage your ordering and uh, the, the F model cabs would be used up by the time the the, the ultraliners or the, cru- well, the cruise liners were different. They were Mac Western, but yeah. Yep. It was just evolution. Cru- Matt Cruise Line has got to be the most charismatic cab over truck ever produced, hasn't it? Like there's something, a Cruise Line has got something that no other truck's got, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. You, did you have to make the door bigger when the Cruise Line has arrived to get it? Because <laughs> that's a huge shed, isn't it? That's they're a big shed. Oh, um, interesting. Um, Rick Wood, question for you. In your service, in your travels in the, in the service uh, world, in... And I'm not talking about a neglected truck. 
I'm talking because I'm not going to go there, but in your travels in the service world, what can you recall the most the most hard worked truck that you ever saw? So, well, not not necessarily a neglected truck, but a truck that had just been absolutely worked to within an inch of what it was capable of doing. There's an interesting question. No, I, I think for a highway truck, um, Regal Haulage had to certainly do an awful lot with them. They they certainly got 99.9% out of them. Yeah. And um, it was very they, – they, they kept on with the service, and but they kept on going. And they were going 24 hours a day and worked very hard. For an off-highway truck, I'd have to say those DMs, they – went far beyond what they were ever designed for. And the issue there was is they they were working in frost and ice. Yeah. And, and every time the, the wheels spun, and they used to have around about 150 tonne all up, and when the back wheels skidded, it would grip and it popped the bolts off the differential because the surge was of power was that great. Yeah. And consequently, I'd be called down there to fix a diff and... Dave was in Palmerston. I used to throw them in the back of the ute and drive to Palmerston North and the guys used to rebuild the diff and I'd take it back early in the morning and have it going the next day for them. So we play um, swaps with, with the new one anyway. Yeah, play swaps with the new one. So that they, they just couldn't get over it. And the first time I went down there, all the owners and the service people were there to watch me putting this diff in that had come back. The second time there was two people. The third time there was nobody. <laughs> They'd given up, but they knew that it was incapable hands. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. those were the two trucks. But there's there's other people that used to disconnect their speedometers and and uh, claim warranty for half of their lives and didn't believe in grease and things like that. <laughs> yeah. But we knew them. We knew where they were and what they were doing. And I think some of the South Island trucks. Um, Again, we're, we're driven very, very hard down there, although it was very soft work down the South Island, of course. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a lot of the South Island trucks were driven pretty hard and yeah. they got a lot out of them down there. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Talking, I've got, heard stories. Now, what was it, Ron? Now, I heard stories from who told me? Was it John Hooper? Did you have a Morris 1100 car or some tiny wee car that used to you actually up the load rating capacity of that car? Like it could cart things like Matt yeah, That little get- car did 183,000 miles. <laughs> miles, Just yeah. over 300,000 K, I think it was. So what was it? Was it at a Morris 11? Uh, yeah, yeah, with a thermometer speedo. Did it have a like a, a ribbon? No, no. no. What no. was it? A Mor- was it a Murray Thow or a Morris? 1100. 1100, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. With a hydroelectric suspension. Fantastic. And I had a spare engine. And for the car? Yeah, because yeah. it would only do 50,000k before it needed doing up. <laughs> so we played swaps so it could stay on the road. So did you have to do the Murray Stu- engine up? Stewie McKeague, when I started, had a 1300 Murray. Yeah. Because being Harmony Arm Motors, X-Men, they were the agents for them. Yeah. So I think that's why they had them. Yeah. Man. I seen that Morris thirteen hundred do some wicked things. Eh? <laughs> Go on, give us an example. Give us an example. Man, exa- he used to drive it up the curbs yeah. and over the gutters. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we should start talking about company cars. <laughs> 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 Did you crash one? Um, I can I can remember it. I can uh, remember a day when Danny Clawson found the But Stewie, Stewie had a new bluebird that lasted seven days. <laughs> really? Yeah. What happened to it? <laughs> Puffer, T-boned. Oh, <laughs> a new bluebird. That would have been a weapon back in the day. I can't remember that. Stuart McGee had a T-boned. Yeah. And, and, and he, Michael. 
Question was for about, Danny. was about eight, and he got out, and he was going to flatten the driver in the other car. <laughs> it was only about eight. You bastard, I'll flatten you. <laughs> that was Church Street, Rohini Street, I think. About the ones that um, uh, I shouldn't talk about. Well, I'll talk about. Uh, can I talk about Graham Taylor? Out of Peterson's. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you want to get a microphone, Danny? This could be good. Yeah, this yeah, this yeah, could yeah. be interesting. Are we in... Um, Graham Taylor was looking after uh, what was he doing then? He was still at Hans Peterson's. Yeah, don't bump the story up then. Yeah, anyway, they ended up quite a big night. It was hard work there. Ron used to stress everyone out. So, have a few beers. So, anyway, they they took Graham Taylor had a brand new Car. Mitsubishi and it had to be the Mitsubishi with a few extras on it and anyway um, Stuart McKesh Graham was in the back seat because he didn't he, he didn't think it was a good idea actually driving it but anyway they went down the down the hill round the thing flipped it over <laughs> that was it. And, and the Mitsubishi came bits of missy. So bits of missy, yeah. And, and they'd all been at a manager's meeting on how to handle staff. That's <laughs> <laughs> the phrase. Phrase Mr. McKee, hands. Okay. Righto, we're going to draw this. This could go on for days. We're going to draw it to a close. Ron, we're going to talk about, like, when did you exit the business? Like, when did, when, like, and what, what, brought, what brought that about? Just new ideas and opportunities coming? Or, like, when you decided to... Hand on your baby to someone else. When I started? No, when you left. When, when I left? Yeah. Um, well, there's only one reason I left, which I've never really said. But I had, well, the opportunity came up with my other shareholders that there was an option built into our shareholders agreement uh, and under a certain circumstance which happened, I could elect to sell out and I took that opportunity. But I had really worked 20 years, 80-hour weeks. Yes. And it was time to go home and let, let mother do her thing. Yeah, yeah. And she bloody owes me now because <laughs> she did it for 30 years, not 20. <laughs> that's it. That's it. But you must have been incredibly proud with what was behind yeah. you. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the people sure. that, I mean, look, the respect well, that, that these people that, have... This is what's so wonderful. I oh, know, and the, res the respect they still hold for what you created and the culture you created back then. Well, we, we had a mission and we, we stuck to our knitting and that's one of the big issues with more businesses than not. You get a little bit successful and you get tapped on the shoulder and various things offered to you. Oh, shit, that's a good idea. We'll do that. But we stay true to our mission. Yeah. Stuck to our knitting. And just kept head down, us up, and worked on it, and we ended up with something very good. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Cookie, I've got a question for you. Did, your last question. Do you still get calls every day about people that want to know stuff about their Macs and what they should do with it, and where's this bit, and how do we get hold of that bit, and should I drill there, and should I cut that? And <laughs> Occasionally, yes, funny you should say that. I had a phone call yesterday from a, from a man I don't even know in Pyre 2 wanting to know if he could fit a... Granite bonnet onto his vision. <laughs> <laughs> true, true story. 
I said, mate, we've never done one of those. You'll have to get your tape measure out. Never measure up. Ring cookie. Ring cookie. Well, the obvious answer was say, man, you've got a vision. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Why does it look more chunkier? I, um... It's a more chunkier. <laughs> has anyone else got any closing comments for the podcast before we uh, sign this off and let you guys get back to the afternoon you came for? Yep. Yep, absolutely. Go. Hand it. I remember, um, I can't remember what the, what the year was, that the government of the day called a national strike <coughs> throughout the country and I think motor truck distributors had 100% turnout of staff. Wow. So what does that say? What does that say? Yeah. Remember that, Ron? You put a couple of boxes I, of beer I recollect it yeah. and I, I don't have a lot of debt left in my head. I'll always remember that. Yeah. yeah, we used to work on holidays, eh? Like yep. Vans that there was midweek or whatever, we'd work it. Yep. Yeah, it's coming back to me now, and, yep. and we left the doors closed all day, so we didn't invite trouble from yeah. the street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. My old man called me, this is going to do with my old man called me a scab for working. And I said, that's funny, you've just left, a, you've just left the wrong tier tavern. Who served you? And he shut up. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. 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 And he, and he shut up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be. Yeah, Pat O'Connor. Um, we were talking just before, and this is really brief, um, no, you're about, right, Pat. about backup and, and support. And um, I had done my time with um, Goffs on Caterpillar, and I thought they were pretty good at giving support. Um, but joining the small crew that I did at MTD, um, I can never forget that Ron drummed into us repeatedly that every breakdown, but particularly every crash, was an opportunity to impress a customer and the industry. Um, I don't know if you remember that, Ron, but, but uh, that, that was the ethos that we operated under, was that, that this, as bad as it was, this was a chance to really impress owners and, and others in the industry that were watching on how fast we could get those vehicles back on the road. Well, that brings to mind which of... Early questions, Dave. Peter Walling had two or three of his F models in the middle of winter one night on one of the forest products off-roads uh, going around the corner with another truck the other way and um, it, was, it was one of the plastic cabs and went straight through the plastic cab and took it out literally down the middle line, the whole one side was taken out on the driver's side. And um, one of the real lessons out of that that got picked up and carried around the industry was if that had been a steel cab, the driver would have been a little bit like a lump of mincemeat because the, the steel would have come straight in and held him in place. Yeah. But anyway, that was very early in our piece, probably nineteen. Could have even been 72. It would have been 72. And Stu went up there. We sent Stu up there. And the truck was drivable. It just had half the cab missing. <laughs> yeah, okay. And he drove it home. I met him, Christ knows what time, 4 o'clock in the morning or something. In Hunter. Dro we drove it home to where? Yeah, yeah, to Palmerston. From? From in Kinleth. <laughs> okay. And yep. I met him in Hunterville. I mean, when I say yeah, oh, it was several yeah. of us, someone yeah. took him up there yeah, and whatnot, yeah, yeah. and he couldn't move. 
we had to lift him out of the cab. He was frozen solid but still driving. Yeah. He really was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No exaggeration. Yeah. And, you know, knew make a truck, knew everything, and right through the bush, every bush gang, every bloody truck driver said, well, that's the last you'll see of that bloody thing for six months. So we got a brand new cab off assembly. Yep. Painted it, put it on. Relatively minor work on the mechanicals and the frame and the connections. And from memory, seven days, but certainly inside a fortnight, I can't remember exactly, the truck was back. And then we made new made new moulds at the fiberglass factory at Bunnythorpe and uh, repaired that old cab and went on his next new truck. Oh, is that right? That cab went on his next new truck. And I'll tell you what, that was the makings of Max reputation for service. Yeah, yeah, I was just that say. single incident. Because there have been a lot of eyes on you in that incident. Every eye, not only in the logging industry, all over. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah what a great story. Yeah, 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 awesome. Well, look, as much as I want to sit here for about the next six months, I've had three people look in the window at me and give me the throat cut wind it up because these guys have got a party to go to. Um, from my perspective, I can't thank you enough and what a thrill it is to... Oh, Vin? No, just listen... Graham Taylor, who was our service manager, he couldn't be here today because he's, um, his health's not too good at all. Um, my wife and Graham's wife keep in contact with one another. Um, he's got bone cancer and uh, unfortunately they can't fix him, so... Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's not very well. He had a heart attack a fortnight ago and they didn't think he'd last the night, but he, he is still with us. But, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's not very well at all, you know. And he had, what, how many years, 41 years with us at Mac, isn't he? Yeah, so it, it, it is sad, but, uh, um, yeah. Well, I'll, I mean, our thoughts and best wishes certainly yeah, go out to him, yeah. absolutely, yeah. and he could <coughs> but, be here. Uh, he was my wife and... Uh, she, she's keeping a close contact with uh, Graham's wife, and mm, it is sad, but that's the way it is, unfortunately. So, what a fantastic and valuable gathering! Thank you all. It's a great thrill for me to have you guys all in a room and give me your time. And uh, the listeners will just—this will be Christmas, Christmas gold for them. And thank you so much for giving me an hour of your time on on your special day. Thanks, Dave. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Towards the end of the interview, you would have heard Vern Marshall talking about the absence and apology for Graham Taylor, long-serving service manager of uh, over 40 years, and uh, Vern was talking about uh, Graham's current uh, poor health that prevented him from uh, attending, and sadly, Graham, since the interview, Graham has um, passed away, and our sincere condolences uh, to the family. Wow, Dave, gold, gold. Yeah, platinum, uh, gold, all of the great, all of the great treasured, precious metals. It, it, I tell you what, it's it's a it's an afternoon that will live long and well, it will live in my memory until my memory ceases to function. Um, what Jana would say was last Tuesday. Um, but but yeah, just a wonderful, uh, yeah, incredible afternoon. And to have you know have them all talking that freely and and um it's really it's really interesting because when we started the podcast when we started the interview you know y- your great bosses will always be your boss because of the because of 
the the company they created and where they got to in your heart, you know, like when they're all sort of milling around at the start and getting their microphones organised and a little bit, you know, what's going on here. And soon as Ron Carpenter said, right, let's get this going, boys. Let's get them going. Sort yourself out. Grab a microphone. Let's get this done. They just all went, yep, yep, Ron, yep, yep, yep. And off it went. A leader will always be yep. a leader, I guess, eh? A leader, mate, will always be a leader, yep. Uh, should we just uh, give him another quick snapshot of that beautiful noise? What is this? What? Oh, I just hiccup there for a minute. <laughs> Any clues, Dave? Um. Oh, listen. You won't need clues, mate. Mate, you won't need I just know it's not a Toyota. <laughs> ah, it's not a Toyota, no. That's right. Yeah, and uh, it's not hybrid. <laughs> we'll talk Scania in a moment. Keep on moving. The official podcast of New Zealand Trucking Media. Trucking Radio 24-7 and the Keep On Moving podcast. You're with New Zealand Trucking Media. And uh, I'm very lucky today because I'm at the uh, Scania head office in uh, Wirree in New Zealand. And I have got the uh, new uh, CEO for Scania New Zealand, Victor Cavallio, with me. And uh, he's new to the country and it's been a bit of a, uh, it's been a bit of a, trial of fire since you arrived you turned up you went straight to Hampton Downs for a truck day and then one of your little ones got sick and ended up in hospital so it's all been a bit of a turmoil for you to, to, to get started Victor. Yes in fact yes um, but uh, Hampton Downs for me was amazing a, a very good opportunity to meet you guys and now the most supported customers that we have here in New Zealand very way to to introduce myself a uh, very good way to introduce myself in the, the New Zealand market and uh, yes, we are setting our everything, and the family is happy, uh, better, uh, more, more happy than I expected. So we are adapting very well to the country. So I believe that everything will be okay in the next few months. Are, are the family uh, enjoying the first couple of couple of three weeks? What's different about New Zealand? So you've come from Portugal to yes, here. So yes. what the first striking? What's the first from a from a culture from a country point of view? What, what do we do that's a bit funny? Well, funny at first is to to drive in the opposite side, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I came from Brazil. After that, uh, I lived uh, four years in Portugal. So now, uh, but now I'm, I I I believe that's easier than I thought before. I, I I thought that would be very difficult for me, but it's not, it's not a problem. So all, all the roads and the streets are very well signed here in New Zealand. So there is no issue about driving. But it, of course, it was fun. Uh, for us, in, at first, uh, we are enjoying everything. I can say that the, the country is is wonderful. It's very beautiful, a very good landscape, and uh, yes, that that's it. The only thing that's the weather. You know, <laughs> we are getting used with the weather. It's it's something that we need to get used because in Europe you have a more stable seasons, and I know that here you can have four seasons in one day. So these are not a, a completely different stuff for us. Uh, for example, yesterday was raining during the morning, but afternoon was really amazing. So, depending on the day, you need to be prepared for everything. So, yeah, that, that's the that's the thing. And and don't worry, we're getting used to that too because it never used to be uh, like it is now uh, yes. historically. And uh, and we all know the reason the, the reason for that. Mm-hmm. Um, did you? How did you? Did you watch the? Were you able to get here in time to watch the rugby the World Cup final? Yes. Now, now I'm getting. I'm, I'm, I'm learning about the rules. No. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> so I'm, are we? Yeah. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I'm I'm a sports fan, I can say. So yeah. I, I I love any kind of sport. So the rugby is something some stuff that I will be I will be there in, in some more few months. I need some help from from the people here in Scandinavia, New Zealand to to teach me about how every everything that involves the game. But I really enjoyed some some uh, games that I could I had the opportunity to watch. Yeah. The final World Cup I didn't watch because I was running the Auckland Marathon. I was doing the uh, 11 kilometers traverse uh, across the bridge. That oh, was, okay. That was wonderful as well. A, a very good experience for me. But uh, I missed the game. So when I arrived in Victoria Park, it was just uh, the big screen there and the end of the game. But uh, I heard and I, I could see some highlights. That was a very tough game. But uh, I'm proud of All Blacks. I can say that I'm supporting All Blacks now and uh, I'm feeling proud to be here just in this, this very special moment. Fantastic. Long may that continue, I say, as well. So that brings me to the next question. And uh, So Matthias was into music and guitars, and he had a guitar, and he made everybody at Scania sing every Friday. And <laughs> and, uh, and Rafa was a barbecue man. He was into barbecue. Not that I ever got the opportunity to sample his cooking. He just told me how good he was. Yes. Um, what? And you're obviously, you've just uh, given us a hint with the running over the bridge. But what, what occupies your time outside of work? Yes, I, I, I like uh, out sport, uh, outdoor sport, so uh, running is my favorite one. So I did uh, my second marathon in Berlin in September before before come to here in New Zealand. So it's it's the thing that I'm enjoying now, ma- marathon, triathlon, something like that. But any kind of sports is something that I'm stri- I'm, I'm connected. I'm trying to, to follow everything. Now I'm, I'm getting used to also with the time difference. Yep. Uh, from New Zealand to other parts of the world to, to keep following Formula One, uh, Champions League in football and everything. But oh, uh, so you're a Formula One junkie as well? Yes, I like that. What yeah. did you think of yesterday's race? Yes, in fact, I didn't, I didn't follow uh, yesterday because I was, I'm still struggling with the time difference. But uh, the first time in Las Vegas, I, I suppose that was uh, a very, very good, very good race. I didn't see the results yet. Yeah, yeah. I won't tell you then. Yeah, please. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, with your um, running and that, New Zealand will be just, you may very well grow to love New Zealand because mountain running and running through the bushes are, is becoming a really big thing here and um, events uh, cross country. And of course, we've got nothing that's going to bite you, attack you or, or you know, you quite you can run through the bush and feel Ye- completely safe. Yes, that, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to run in, in different co- uh, parts of the country. Yeah. I did uh, last week in Hastings. I was in Hastings. I, oh. did, the, I did there 11 kilometers. Yep. So I, I, I will take advantage of this, this hobby and also take the opportunity to wake up early and, and enjoy the landscape. I said, I said to my son, I, I saw some cars, I saw some ships uh, during the, the running. It's a really a different landscape uh, and, and amazing. Yeah. So uh, Matthias made everyone sing a song. As, as lunchtime jog, everyone's got to bring their running shoes to work for a lunchtime yeah, run. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Let's, yeah. let's challenge the people to, yeah. to do something. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mental note to self, <laughs> never come during lunchtime. So when Rafa came, he one of the things that struck him about the truck scene in New Zealand and, uh, and the Scania scene as well was um, the, it's a very diverse country in terms of, he said there's no New Zealand specification for like yes, where he came from in Brazil. He said, the, I think he said it was a, uh, a, a G540 was like, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds yes. of them. That's what people, yeah. they just, and he said in New Zealand, it's everything's in the workshop from, a P series to, and he said the amount of big trucks you buy is. Mm-hmm. He said it's a really diverse country. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, is that? It, would you agree with that? Is that what you're seeing? Yes, it's really interesting. Eh? You, you, you can see here that uh, the customers they 
they have a very specific demands, very specific way of uh, specifying the trucks. I believe that's also connected with the culture of the country that you you guys, I'm surprised with that, that you are very in contact with all, all uh, everything that's connected with engines, autos and everything. It's it's really amazing to see how the people likes uh, this stuff. So I don't know if, if in, it's in our segment, but uh, when I'm talking to the people, I can see that everybody's in some way connected with uh, engine and auto and everything they 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 like to repair the trucks repair the, the cars and uh, so this is this kind of stuff i believe that is connected also to this very specific way to have um, a tailor-made truck or tailor-made solution and for us uh, it's something that for scania it's it's uh, it's our way of working so I, I believe because of that we can see here a strong uh, customer en engagement you know because we can deliver these very customized trucks to the customer. So I believe that that's something that fits perfectly uh, the brand with the, the, the demand of the market. So I, I'm, I'm really surprised, positively surprised about that. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And just diver just digressing for a short moment, just for the sake of the conversation, I was in Portugal last year, happy enough to be in Portugal mm -hmm. and lucky enough to be in Portugal. And um, uh, what's their sort of scene? Is it very much, I suppose, 4 by 2 sleeper cab, tractor unit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, semi-trailer. Yeah, yeah. I can say that 80% uh, of our trucks is the same specification, almost the same specification. Yeah. Very easy to do. Four by two with uh, today a four six engine, and that's it. So, yeah. and but uh, and when you talk about uh, rigids, almost uh, nothing. So three percent of our sales is rigid trucks there. So yeah. compared to here, it's totally different. So here is 70 or to 8% yeah. rigid trucks. Yeah. So it's completely different specification. Yes. Lots of variety, lots of variety here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So getting on to the more, uh, we'll get into some, into some meaty stuff now with regard to the brand and direction and under your stewardship. So mm -hmm. uh, without putting too fine a point on it, Matthias was a very much a Mr. Fix-It, Mr. Set the Scene, Mr. Set things up and get things aiming in the right direction. Raffle was Mr. After Sales and Mr. Post-Sales Support and... and their influence in the business can easily be seen in the business today with its with its local success. Like, what's your? Have you got a particular area of strength that you've been targeted to come here with, or what's your? Uh, I, I believe that uh, the, the 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 main thing here we we have grown a lot in the last years. So we and uh, my idea for the next year we we have four main pillars that we work with the the, the, the team. Uh, we based our market plan and business plans in these four main pillars uh, that will help us to to establish uh, a good uh, operation in New Zealand, also to keep growing as in I can say faster than we did in the last year. So, the first one is customer obsession. I believe that the only way to to keep growing, to keep uh, doing the things that we are doing here, we need to be very connected with the customers, very connected with the market, to understanding their needs and to improve more and more their experience with us, not only when they are buying a truck, but when they are servicing the truck. So we are investing a lot in the workshops and everything that we, we can talk about uh, more about this later. But uh, uh, I believe that every, every action that we are taking here in the office or in every workshop needs to be connected with some customer demand, customer needs. So that's the first one. The second one is everything connected with the people. So we are working a lot to prepare a very good development plan for the people, leadership is also our technicians, because we have we we grew a lot and we're talking about number of technicians as well. So 
uh, we need to keep developing the people uh, to, to, to deliver the right, uh, the large solutions to, to the market. Third one, uh, process, operational excellence. This is something that now is crucial for us to have uh, all the facilities that we have bought, that we have invested, the new facilities that will come. We need to have a very strong and very well-established process and ways of working. And that we we are sure that we are delivering the right solutions and the the right uh, f uh, experience to the customers around the country, not uh, have different kinds of uh, support in different uh, brands that we have. We we need to to standard standardize the way of uh, supporting the customers everywhere in the country. And the last one is to use technology to 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 support everything, digitalization, innovation, that everything that we uh, related to technology that can uh, support us in a better way. We need to 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 put in to to use and to 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 help us to be faster and more efficient when we are delivering the solutions to the customers. That, that's the main four pillars. But uh, if I take one or two, I believe that I, I cannot take just one. I need to take two two at least customers and people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the main points. Okay. Excellent. Yep, and interesting answer. And that's going to be sort of leads into my next question, um, where. Uh, that's going to become critical because um, the the first wave of trucks that were sold, the first big wave, you're shortly you're going to have a, like a thousand trucks out yes. there that were sold. You've got 25 service centres, yes. and the first wave of that thousand trucks are going to start reaching significant kilometres driven mm -hmm. and loads hauled. So they need to they need to be supported. So that's got to be a critical a critical mindset going forward. That yes. as those first wave of trucks start to age, you. That that's when the real test is gonna is gonna come, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, it, that's connected with uh, the process, and that's connected with uh, the way of working. So, we we have delivered more than one thousand trucks, and uh, this year probably we will do a record again, and we are planning to do another record next year. So we have very ambitious plans to New Zealand. So we need to 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 establish uh, a strong way of working, uh, uh, very well. Uh, organized way of working uh, to increase our capacity in a long-term view. So that's that's the main point for us. So we we are we are bringing some uh, experience and some background from Europe, uh, of course. That uh, that's connected with my back background as well. Something that we did in retail in other parts of the world that we can uh, we can implement here to to assure to our customers that this quantity of trucks that are on the road will not affect the level of quality of our support in the workshops. Right. That's the, the, the main purpose. Yep. For us. So is, is process, the designing and adhering to process, is that a real thing for you? Is that one a real area that you're interested in and make sure happens? Yeah, I, I can say that needs to be everything connected. Uh, we, we need to keep our competitiveness in all senses. So uh, today, Scania is the market leader. It's and there is a reason behind that, and uh, we need to to keep working hard to to consolidate this position of a leader of the market, and to keep growing. That's that's the the way the way that we are planning to work. And of course, you can't do any of this without talented people. We're not we're not you know in attracting skilled and talented staff. So what's the that's becoming harder and harder and harder as the population mm -hmm. ages and. Young people have choice, and they have they don't know boundaries the way we used to know boundaries in terms of geographical boundaries. Like yes. yeah, the children today are children of the world; they think yeah. nothing of going to work anywhere in the world. Yeah. Uh, whereas for us, it was a big thing. What? Yes. How's what's the what's the 
what do you think's the plan for um, attracting talented staff into into this operation? Yes, as as I, as I said before, we we grew a lot uh, when I talk about technicians. This year, twenty twenty three, we will finish the year with more forty five percent of people only the technical staff. It's really amazing the number of people that we are in, we are bringing to the to the team. We are also investing a lot of hours in training and to, to have not only soft skills, but uh, specific skills about uh, heavy truck uh, reparations and everything connected with, uh, with Scania. And, uh, but uh, again, uh, when I said that our plan is connected with the people, if, if you talk to everyone here, there is, it, there is a clear me- uh, message that we need to, to retain the people that we are attracting and to retain one of the main, f- the main things for us is to keep developing them. It's not only about uh, money or everything, but to keep developing the people, uh, to to bring to them more experience, more connection with the brand, and uh, and also to deliver to them a, a plan, uh, a view of the future in the company. So, when when you see the the, the plans that Scania has for New Zealand, uh, we are again we are we are ambitious. We want to keep growing, and the, the in, I can say that in the next five years we will be. Uh, almost the double that we are today. So, according to our plan, so I believe that it's crucial to keep the people motivated, and uh, one of the, our key plans is connected with that. So, our people, our people in culture uh, department is working hard uh, to deliver the the right the right way of working with these young guys, people from different cultures. We have a lot of people from different countries in our staff. So we need to work uh, very close to them and invest a lot also in the leadership. So this is something that also for me it's crucial. And we are we are we have all, all of this this stuff in our plan and now it's time to to execute. So that's the way that we we want to work. So uh, being a, a, a part of the global uh, Scania family, like if I'm a young person and I'm looking at choices and I come to work, work here, are the international gateways open for me? I can pr- like if I do well and and mm-hmm. can I can I become, you know, like yourself and end up working? Yeah. Is, is this a gateway into a global career? Yes. Uh, uh, you know, Scania is a global company and there, is a, there, there are a lot of opportunities around the world. So it yeah. depends on the people. So that, that thing that I, I was talking to, 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 my, to my team two weeks ago about this. So we had a conference with the, the branch managers and I was just talking about that. So if you want... It's something that you can you you can have. So it's kind of today is a global company. We are growing uh, in, uh, with the group, the Trayton Group. We are growing in other countries, o- other countries. So, and the the advantage that you have here in New Zealand that you speak English. So this is something that's very very easy for the people to to live and to live abroad and to get opportunities around the globe. So it's more about uh, our dispo- uh, the the. The, it's more about not not about the opportunity that you have because you have a lot. It's more about if the people wants to do that. Mm. Yeah. Interesting, yeah, yeah, fascinating. Great opportunities for people, isn't it? So, as well as having a thousand trucks and the first wave of the the trucks sold to look after, yeah. y- your tenure might be uh, uh, marked for another reason as well. Was you may also be here the f- when we see the first minor tipping point for the sale of alternative propulsion trucks and it'll go from that sort of what what you best say, you know, dip your toe in the water or sample to actual consistent and regular sales of BEV trucks into into the specific markets. What's Mm -hmm. that? How are you planned? How are you you, uh, you ready for that that transition to take place? 
Well, we had we had made some changes in the in our organization uh, this year, and one of that was the, to have uh, this sales department and also pre-sales department, and together with business transformation. So we have uh, today sales department that's taking care more about the daily business and uh, the, the the current demand uh, that we have, uh, and we have our pre-sales department that's working. Uh, strongly to 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 get all these opportunities that's come that uh, that are coming in the bev trucks or any any kind of uh, alternatives that will come. The the event that we did in Hampton Downs is one example to bring customers to show the solution to them to 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 make them have this experience of driving a, a electric truck, and uh, this is part of the plan. And the after Hampton Downs, I can say that we we got a lot of new. New prospects uh, that that's coming in the discussion now is is is, is becoming more stronger and, and uh, we are going more in details about the the the, the opportunities that that we can have. But uh, the people in in, in pre-sales are working very connected with the market to to find any kind of uh, opportunity that you have in in this sense. It's kind of now is prepared. You know that you, you probably you read in the news that we we have just opened a new factory in Sweden uh, for, for electric trucks. And uh, I believe that we are able to deliver the solutions and uh, not only talking about trucks, but also talk about tr charging solutions and everything. So it's it's more about to to talk at, and to, to have a clear communication between our team and the customers. And also it's not a, one thing that involves only customers and Scania, it involves also the the total supply chain, the total transport ecosystem. So uh, I believe that we are prepared and we have the right team to, for that. It's it's more about to understand the needs again and to deliver the, the right solution for it. Yeah, it's interesting. You're doing a great job of leading me into my uh, next questions because I was going to say about in the new world, in tomorrow's world, it's we don't have one power source, we don't have that scalable, and there's going to be specific horses for courses and, and, and setups and specifications that fit specifically with tasks and there's a lot of pre-work done before the truck is sold so you you get a lot deeper into the customer route yes. planning energy yes. planning load capacity you get a lot deeper into the customer's business than what a you ever have done before and traditionally they might be comfortable with so how as and this is something that's going to affect all of the oems going forward mm -hmm. how do how does Scania New Zealand look to manage the sensitivities when you've actually got to get deeper into people's businesses before you can tell them they're the right truck for them? Uh, specifically talking about New Zealand, is, is, it's interesting because we we was we was we were born here as a retail operation. So for us, it's it's not something that's it's difficult because we we was we were born like a retail operation, very close to the market, very close to the customers. So our people, they are talking to the customers every day. So this is something that we cannot lose, considering that we are growing as an organization. That's the main message that uh, we are having this this room when we have the EMT meetings is to keep close to the market, keep close to retail operation, because uh, the transition will be natural. You know, uh, when we were talking before that uh, here in New Zealand we have very high specified trucks. With very customized way uh, way of uh, do that is something that uh, uh, we have already this connection with the market. We are able to deliver this com this this uh, customized solution, let's say, 
and it's not only about truck. Uh, uh, we are we are always talking about transport solutions, and uh, we are now uh, switching to an, a new transport solution that's connected with BEVs, that we can add a lot of, uh, of course, the vi- the varieties and the, the the cornerstones that we have. In this solution, it's quite different. We are learning about that, and of course, the the market is also learning together with us. So it's to keep closing to the market, keep uh, keep talking to the customers that we will we'll get the the solution. And I believe that New Zealand, it's uh, a very st- we have a very strong opportunity when talking about to be one step uh, one step ahead in in, in that sense when you talk about alternative uh, alternative uh, trucks. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting thing you say, actually, because uh, sitting here thinking about it while you were talking, you know, we are a very relationship-oriented transport yeah. company, and we're not. It's not a. Ve- it's not a sterile relationship between you and the customer. Like, yeah, yeah. And so that might actually work really well for mm-hmm. for for the trust side of it. Uh, um, Rafa introduced the business transformation team. Yep. Well, he was here, uh, headed up by Rob, uh, Rob mm-hmm. Kovic. Is, is mm-hmm. that work? How's that working? Is that has that been a great initiative? Has that worked really well for you? Or yep. yes, it is. Uh, um, now, now Rob is responsible for pre-sales, so it has started with a business transformation. We we still have the business transformation department that uh, is more connected with uh, everything that's connected with innovation, digitalization, and okay. Uh, Isso é o que eu encontrei na internet sobre. Yes, now Rob is responsible. <laughs> it's all right. We can. Yep. Please, start, uh, yeah, start that answer again. Let's start again. Sorry, yeah. I don't know what I mean. Siri is sometimes is. Yep. Yep. You just told Siri to do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all good. So, again, I believe that, uh, yeah. Yeah, just start off with where start that one again. Is it, oh, just cut it off after I've asked the question and we'll pick it up from now. So, just going to pick it up from now, Murray. Yep. Okay. So, um, Business transformation department. We still have the business transformation department that uh, now uh, is not uh, with Rob. Rob is now is now responsible for pre-sales and logistics, and uh, but everything that was defined in, in the in the way that we structured business department is now uh, Rob is still responsible, and it's mainly connected with uh, bad trucks. Um, and the solutions that will come together for bev trucks uh, charging and everything. So, uh, we are really satisfied with the outcome that we get so far. Of course, it's a journey, it's not something that happens from one day to another. It's uh, we it, we all the market is learning about that and uh, we are we are doing I believe that we are doing the right things and we are uh, able to deliver the the right solutions to the market. Business transformation now, we are more working together with digitalization and innovation. It's another department handled uh, by Raul, Rodri- Ra- Raul Rodriguez, is part of our EMT team as well. And uh, we are trying to bring, as I said before, all technology that can help us in the daily business. So this is something that uh, we are doing the business transformation. And uh, as I said, uh, Rob is more connected with pre-sales and delivering at trying to find opportunities to deliver the, the current solution that we have today. Mm, interesting. Do you think the uh, the arrival of the BEV trucks, uh, the alternative propulsion trucks, um, and you can answer this on a on a local scale, and if you feel you want to, you can answer it on a on a wider scale, um, up to you. Would, is it giving Scania opportunity to penetrate markets you might never have 
been like is it opening up new opportunities and new markets that may not have been as easy to get into before? Uh, I'm still learning about uh, how the market here in New Zealand, but uh, uh, urban truck is something that we are not historically strong. Uh, and uh, here in New Zealand, we are selling BEV trucks for, for urban operations. So this is something that uh, we, we have uh, we have a red gut, we have a red start in this niche. And I believe that will be very important to us to increase our market share in the future. So if you become stronger and stronger in the urban trucks, I believe that uh, it's amazing. So and we have the right solution for that when I talk about business. And uh, of course, long term with uh, our uh, regional BEV, that's something that will come. We'll be able to achieve uh, new markets and new segments as well. So mm. this is part of, uh, of our journey. Uh, last week, our sales director was in Sweden uh, with a customer that now is looking for a regional BEV. So we are we are working uh, to to see the opportunities and the new niches that we can we can deliver the the, the BEV solutions. Interesting, yeah, interesting. Just moving on to uh, the local regulator type scene, and just so you've come from Portugal, that's a country that's about half our size with twice as many people. Yeah. Um, and um, you're here, and admittedly, you haven't been here for long. So we, you know, we're not we're not expecting uh, you to have all the answers. But where do you think the countries sit uh, in relation to each other with regard to preparedness for tomorrow's alternative propulsion vehicles? And I realise there's no country that have got that has this sorted yet. But mm-hmm. uh, do you feel in your Heart, do you feel they're a little bit further ahead and about where they need to be, or are we, are we, or I'm I'm really surprised about New Zealand, you know, because uh, here when you're talking about population and size of the the country, something that for me before come when when I was studying about New Zealand to understand the, how the, the 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 things that I would I would meet here, and I'm really surprised because. Here you you I can say you are a lo- we are in an island, and of course because we are in an island we are trying to 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 be uh, that, that all the transport system is connected with New Zealand. I can say that the things that are arriving the port, of course, things that we are exporting, but everything is connected to, to New Zealand. It's quite different when I talk about Portugal because Portugal is it's a country that's is strongly connected with Europe and the rest of Europe. So. They are very dependent of the economic and the transport and everything that happens in France, uh, England, and uh, Germany, Italy. To, to uh, they they suffer this impact. Let's say, uh, it's a it's a com- it's a little bit different. So Port- Portugal is a country that's exporting goods, exporting food mainly to 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 the other countries of Europe and and, and are importing industrial stuff. Here it's a little bit different. I, I saw here here I feel more the transport business. Then there, it's it's quite strange. I feel that here is more strong. The people is more connected with the uh, the things that are happening here in New Zealand. Then something in very interesting for me, and uh, I see that I- comparing to Portugal, we are some few steps ahead. Some few steps ahead. Now I'm driving, for example, I'm driving a 100% electric car, and I'm happy. So I was concerned before arriving because uh, I I was not sure that I would have all the charging stations. <laughs> Everywhere, yep, but yep. I'm driving around the country, and I have started now driving around the country, and I'm feeling comfortable with the charging, the, the charging stations and everything. So, I believe that we are pa- passenger passenger cars. We are a little uh, a step ahead. 
trucks is something else, but uh, I believe that will come. So this is this is something that uh, that will come along the years. Yeah. So um, Scania New Zealand, they're active when it comes to lobbying the government about what's coming towards the government and what will be required in terms of infrastructure in the years ahead. Like, are you guys active in that space, talking to talking to Wellington? Yes, we have one product engineer that uh, it's connected with uh, the associations and everything uh, to. Uh, to show the demands of the segment uh, that came from the discussions with the customers and uh, to try to bring a, a topic that could be officially discussed in the, in the politics and everything. So we are acting on that in the, in the, in the right way. Right, yeah. excellent. Um, with regard to the product itself, I, like, I get the feeling in like the demand from places like Europe um, is going to be huge in the next few years when the when yeah. the tipping point is reached for BEV and whatever pro- alternative propulsion vehicles. We're, we're going to reach a point where the, the the switch will just get flicked and and the big companies of Europe will demand an extraordinary number of vehicles in a very in a very short time. How, how do we down here in the bottom of the world, as lovely as it may be, how do we make sure our voice is heard for the for the number of vehicles that that, that we're going to need compared to even you know, like one huge company in Europe would probably swallow twice as what the whole country will want here. Well, I, I believe that what we did uh, in the last years here in New Zealand can prove that uh, New Zealand uh, is uh, strong enough to to show to the company that we, we need to, to receive trucks. Because, you know, the last two years for Scania was, the, I can say, not one of... The, I believe that was one of the worst years for Scania when we talk about supply of trucks. And we got to deliver an uh, amazing number of trucks here. So I believe that's that's one answer that I can I can give to you. That today in New Zealand it's an important market for Scania, uh, and uh, uh, they are paying attention in us. Let's say like that. Uh, and uh, when we're talking about the future and everything that will come, uh, all the markets we have a target that's a share of sales. So we need to to reach share of sales in Bev. So share of sales doesn't matter the number of trucks that you deliver. We need to, to, to reach that share. So for us, it's the same. And we, we have an ambitious share for New Zealand when you talk about BEV trucks. So that's connected. That, that, that way of working can assure that we have the enough trucks to, to deliver to the market. Of course, that if, you, if you, we see that here, maybe the share of the market is higher than the Scania is expecting, is something that I will need, I will need to address. But I believe that today we are in a comfortable situation when we're talking about this because uh, the governance and the way that's kind of work works with the global production system can assure to us that we have uh, the trucks according to our demands. Right, and if we want some more that's above expectation, you'll fly over there and bang on the desk and say, "Get yes, me my trucks." No problem. Yeah. No problem. I can do that. Can use my connections. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, so and and be brutally honest here because I got some strong opinions on this in in terms of as a country, like and again, our size in the world. You know, we, we we swing a big bat for the for the size of the country that we are. When you when you think about look out the window and see what we get, and you know, but are we going to have to face a reality as a country moving forward that some of our individual individual thing, the way we like things, we might have to rethink it from our end as well. Like, is it to make it a little bit easier for the OEMs to to give us trucks because a lot of our trucks are quite New Zealand specific type mm-hmm. trucks and they're easy to make when it's an internal combustion engine 
you just hack chassis and you put axles in and you do all this sort of stuff and send it on a boat. But tomorrow's trucks are a little different. You can't just go attacking them with a gas axe and turn them into something different. Mm-hmm. Like, So do you think as a country we're going to have to relook at what we're asking for as well as making sure we get what we order? Yes, maybe. But uh, again, uh, uh, when we talk about the way that's going to work, I'm not so concerned about that. Because we are always thinking about deliver the right solution to the to the customers according to their needs. So our modular system, modular system, what was built in, in with this fi- philosophy, and we will keep this way of working. So I'm not wor- I'm not uh, concerned about that. Of course, that if you are talking about lead times, maybe in the future is something that we can think about to not to to have a standard uh, truck. For, for New Zealand, I believe that we will not reach that point uh, in the next years because uh, you say every truck is different here. So to 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 come from that to a completely standard w- way of working is, is very difficult. But we can we can have some uh, some way of working uh, that we can reach a level that's standard, and above that level we can have some uh, more specific uh, customization. So I believe that. This is something that we can work together with the market uh, for the future. But uh, again, uh, we will not lose our way of working, our main philosophy that's to deliver the right solution to the right customer. And uh, our tailor-made philosophy we will keep. The modular system is something that uh, is kind of will keep, uh, I can say, forever, but, uh, <laughs> but it's something that we will keep uh, for, for a long time. Yeah, Excellent. Well, that's been, uh, I'm not going to put you under the ringer too much more. I've been shining the light in your eyes and I want an invitation to come back, so I'm not going to make it too hard on you. <laughs> so the last question I've got, this is the big one. This is the really, this is the big one. There's a member of your staff who will remain unnamed, but we know that he has got the tattoo of a griffin yes, on him. Know, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, if you get him in the right frame of mind, he'll willingly show it to you. <laughs> and um, so have you, got, have, you got a, have you got company imagery tattooed on you anyway? Oh, I've been working at Scania for 27 years, so I can say that the the tattoo is in my heart, you know, because <laughs> I... <laughs> You've it, been working on that, answer. Yes. <laughs> it, no, it, it it was my first job. I was only 16 when I, I joined Scania. Is that right? In, 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 Bra- in Brazil? Brazil? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. To, doing to, what? Uh, in a symbol line. So I start uh, symbol trucks and uh, doing uh, normal stuff, technical stuff. And uh, in the symbol line, it was a really amazing program that I had the opportunity to participate in in my, my first years at Scania because I did it together with the school, so technical school, it was it was amazing. So, so when you went there, I'm going to interrupt you there, sorry. So this is, when you went there, so this is a great thing for young people out there listening to this. Yes. On your first day at Scania, as an assembly line worker, yeah. bolting stuff on trucks, yeah. were you... At, on that day, was your thoughts as I'm? Oh, this is going to. Ta- I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to get promoted. I'm going to do great things. I'm going to live in all different parts of the world. Or at that stage in your life, was it you just went and got a job, and that's what where you thought you'd be? No, of course that uh, I didn't have uh, all the the view of the thing. But uh, one important uh, in Brazil because what 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 happened that moment that we are. Always looking for working in a in a multinational in a global company, right? Okay, because it was something that for the uh, for the family was very important, uh, and uh, we are thinking that way because working in a global company gives 
uh, gives to you some kind of uh, uh, support and safety when you're talking about uh, job journey and everything. So yes. when I started there, of course, for, for, for the family was really, really an important thing that happened. I was only 16, as I said. So I, I was a young boy and uh, for me it was everything was new, everything is different to be in a, in, a, in a symbol line with a lot of technology Technology for that moment for me was amazing. But um, I knew when I started that uh, Scania had this kind of internal opportunities that could uh, appear along the time. It's, it's more a matter of prepare, prepare yourself. Of course, that the company will give some training, some programs and everything, but you need to be prepared to prepare yourself according to the the idea that uh, you have more interest so that that that's what happened to to me so i've said that i'm 27 27 years in the company and uh, i was i i'm always moving so that, that there was only one department that, that i stayed more than 5 years that was 7 years as a sales director in brazil but uh, before that i was only 3 to 4 years moving inside the company so from a, from a guy that started in production until sales director in the the commercial operation in Brazil, and now I had in, and after that I had the opportunity to go to Sweden for one year, four years in Portugal, and now I'm here in New Zealand. So, uh, when when I left Brazil first time, and uh, that was the moment that definitely changed my life in the company, because after that I I can move to everywhere I say, mm. and I, I'm I'm now I'm saying that I'm lucky. So far I'm lucky because I moved to Portugal. That's a wonderful wonderful country and now New Zealand so it will be hard to to define in the the next destiny but I, I'm not thinking about that I want to stay here for 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 a long time let's say but I think I guess the message is for young people if you dream it you can do it of course of course you can yeah that's something that uh, yes you 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 just need to look for the next step and to work for that to keep motivated and disciplined I believe that you you get so this is this is uh, part of the journey and uh, it's really, really re realizable. So you can do that. And don't be frightened. Take the next step. Yes, of course. Excellent. Take some risk. <laughs> <laughs> Take some risk, absolutely. Victor Cavallo, that's been a fantastic uh, three quarters of an hour of your time. Very appreciated. I know you're incredibly busy in a new job in a new country to take time out to have a quick talk to us. And um, really appreciate it. And we might catch up in a year or so and see yes, how it's yes. going. Let's do that. Thank Excellent. you. Thank you for your time. Thanks, mate. Thank you. And uh, yes, I'm looking forward for the next time. So I, I'll be more, more uh, an expert of New Zealand market. You better <laughs> tell me which position you play in the local rugby team. Yes, yeah. let's, let's see. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't get, get injured. Yes. You, you, are, you are much stronger. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Good, thank you. The Business of Trucking, brought to you by UDC Finance. For generations, UDC has financed equipment that helps keep the road transport industry moving. If you're looking for a trusted finance partner to help your business grow, talk to UDC. Cameron Bagri for UDC. Big pivot from the central bank, signalling uh, lower interest rates around the corner. Isn't that going to fire inflation off again, Cam? Yeah, well, there's a reason that central banks have, have pivoted. And the, the big pivot here is coming from the US Federal Reserve, who's the most powerful central bank around the globe. So they lead and other central banks tend to follow. And there's a couple of things that have gone on. Murray, look, one, the global economy is, is looking a lot weaker. So with weaker economic growth, there's a bit more progress being made towards getting inflation back 
to sort of 2%. So inflation is still directionally headed down. And that's offering a little bit of scope where people are starting to think, well, maybe monetary policy doesn't need to be as restrictive or interest rates as high. So the US Federal Reserve put on the table, look, we think there's a little bit of scope here to take interest rates a little bit lower over 2024. And of course, yeah, financial markets, when they see that sort of directional move, they tend to jump on it pretty quickly. Stats New Zealand are now providing uh, monthly inflation data uh, for components of inflation, including fuel prices. What are they actually saying about petrol and diesel for November, which is obviously vital for the trucking industry? Yeah, well, good on Stats New Zealand for putting together more monthly data on inflation, because the more timely reads we can get on inflation, the more the Reserve Bank is going to be on top of the inflation story. And and what we saw in the month of November was that, look, petrol prices, diesel prices were down. They were both down about 2.5%. Yeah, that still looks like it's lagging, that big fall in oil prices we've seen over the month of November. So I'd anticipate over December we're going to see continued prices with a bit of a, a lag defect. So and those are just they're pretty big contributors to headline inflation and they're providing just another sort of little bit of a signal that inflation directionally is still headed in the right direction, which is south. Any insights from uh Main Freight's team update on the economy? Yeah, it was interesting to have a, a look at that because a couple of things they used the word team a lot. I got sent a report that was said that was used in excess of 500 times, which is a remarkable use of the word within a, a document. Yeah, the, the word customer was used a, a lot more. The word growth was used a, a lot less. And, of course, your main freight's a reasonable barometer in regard to what we're seeing around the globe. And U.S. volumes look like they're improving. And New Zealand volumes are a bit below forecast, so that's in line with what we're seeing across the general economy. And Europe's seeing lower volumes as well. So... You're all up, yeah, pretty subdued guidance in regard to what they were pointing to. But you're used to the word that, usually that word sort of team, Murray, just interesting in regard to the culture of the organisation. GDP negative in uh, September. So, more specifically, how did transport do? Yeah, well, the, the headline numbers for GDP was down 0.3% in the quarter, 0.6% on a year ago. And the old transport postal and warehousing group, well, they were right down the bottom of the rung. It was down 4.5% in the quarter and 7.4% year on year. Now, now, some of those movements can be exaggerated by what we've seen in regard to international air travel, et cetera, et cetera. But you, know, you talk to the truckies out there, what we're seeing at the moment is that things are becoming you know, pretty lacklustre at the moment. Of course, we've been seeing that within the heavy traffic index of the truckometer as well, which has flat, been flatlining for the past few months. Now, the government has scrapped, uh, well, in fact, last week, the Inter-Island uh, Resilience Connection Project. Should we be worried? It's a, a pretty important stretch of water, particularly for the trucking industry. Absolutely critical. So it's, it's fine to scratch the project, but I guess the issue, Murray, is that what are they going to replace it with? Yeah, because, yeah that word they had within that project called resilience is is pretretty important and, and and obviously they've balked at the three billion dollar checks so the Lord knows what was supposed to be going into a project to balloon it up to the three billion yeah but the bottom line here Murray is that we still need something yeah the status quo has got risks written all over it and we need a strategy, we need outcomes put in place in regard to managing those risks because getting the stuff from north to south and 
south to north is a pretty big part of the infrastructure, connectivity, uh, transport industry across New Zealand. Cam Bagri for UDC. Thanks, mate. Dave McCoy, uh, Trucking Radio 24-7 and the Keep On Moving podcast and um, a very interesting uh, chat we're about to have and we have got uh, Billy Clemens. Now, he's the uh, Policy and Projects uh, Head at uh, Ia Ara Aotearoa Transporting New Zealand and they have got a... Uh, product uh, in their portfolio and it comes under the Te Araki Tua Road to Success program that was launched a, a couple of years back and again it's another strategy for broadening the scope of thought as to who who is actually out there and available uh, to work in the transport industry. People in a diversity of population that we might not have thought of uh, before because we are you always hear that golden number, 2,400 people short at the front line. And so we have, it's a changing world. There's, we, we, we can't keep going back to the old schools of thought about who's out there to drive trucks anymore because they just aren't. So we have to think about who else is out there who might be available to drive a truck, who else might be out there that may not know uh, uh, how how skillful that they are, and 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 that they can actually be part of a fantastically dynamic industry. That the, the the product is called the diversity uh, toolkit. And uh, Billy, has that have I is that the nub of the whole is that the nub of the story, or or uh, am I on the mark? Oh, Kia Dave. Look, you're, you're absolutely on the money there. Look, uh, the transporting New Zealand's diversity toolboxes is a set of practical tools and resources that's all about helping um, road freight businesses, our members in the in the wider uh, sector foster diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Because, you know, you've, you've really hit the nail on the head there. Uh, the industry's had a, had a long-term um, skill shortage, particularly in that driver space. You know, we're looking at an, an average age of probably over 54 for drivers and 20% of, of um, heavy vehicle drivers over 60. And then you sort of combine that with the freight task that's going to increase by about 30% um, by 2042. So um, I, I think that's it's a real challenge for the industry, but the diversity toolbox and the advice that we've got there um, is a real great start of how, um, how transport businesses can help themselves. And, and you're dead right. Like when you talk about the, the increasing freight task, uh, ahead of us in, in the next couple of decades, who's actually at the front line now in terms of age and grey hair and the shortage, the fact that we're in a shortage now, it's actually a, it's actually a very frightening prospect, not just for our industry, but, but for the economy because the economy is actually nothing without our industry. Oh, it, it, absolutely. And, you know, just, just to highlight the scale of that task, you know, the freight task increasing by 30%, and 95% of that increase is going to be handled on road. Yes. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about, particularly from the previous government, about mode shift and coastal shipping and rail. But actually, when you look at the projections, the lion's share of that growth is going to be handled by, by truck drivers. And so that's why we need to start thinking about these, these challenges now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the question I'm going to ask you, and because there will be, if we're talking wireframe glasses and grey hair, there'll be a lot of that listening to this <laughs> yep. to, to this very interview. What when we talk about the word diversity, like what what is it? What are, what are you talking about when you say the diversity toolkit? Like tell a tell a grey haired uh, wireframe glasses old bloke what that actually means. Like what what do they go out and look for? 
Sure. So um, we, when, when people hear diversity and inclusion, I, I think you're, you're right. There can be an assumption that it's a bit wishy-washy and what does it actually mean? So I think for the diversity toolbox's purposes, it means uh, basically set, setting up the industry to welcome people and demographics who traditionally wouldn't have wouldn't have um, looked at, at a career in the trucking industry. So that's uh, women, uh, particularly younger younger people who are coming out of um, you know high school or some cases tertiary study, and you know they're in a very fruitful job market at the moment. So um, there's lots of different options available. Um, there's different uh, people from different nationalities, uh, races, ethnicities coming on board. Uh, we know that. Uh, there's an increasing number of migrant drivers uh, coming into New Zealand to help meet that workforce gap. And so that's uh, that's kind of a new group of people that uh, road freight businesses need to be uh, welcoming in. And also we look at issues like neurodiversity, for instance. You know, you might be a driver with, um, with you know, who's, who's dealing with ADHD or dyslexia or dyspraxia. That's another kind of aspect of diversity that isn't, uh, people don't sort of leap to when they hear the expression. And then obviously you've got um, uh, sort of um, sexual, sexual identification, um, LGBT people, um, people identified different different genders. So um, that all of those together are groups that I, I think there are lots of practical steps that businesses can take to make sure they're ready to welcome those people in. And look, I mean, the whole idea with these resources is there's nothing particularly far out in it. You know, there's, there's nothing radical in these resources. We've got, um, we start off with our driver recruitment guide that's all about writing, um, helping road transport businesses write a, a job application for seek or trainee jobs that's going to cast a nice broad net. Then you've got um, resources to help employees speak up once they've joined your workplace. If there are any issues or any difficulties that they're facing, we need to have people supported in the workplace so that they stay in your business and um, yeah, we keep that uh, staff turnover rate limited. And then we've also got some advice for employees and the, and the third element, supporting your employees. And that's basically for managers and those company owners who might be listening to this, basically a quick guide to how do you deal with a complaint of bullying, harassment or discrimination? How do you help resolve mental health and wellness issues? And how do you respond to someone who might be dealing with um, neurodiversity, you know, kind of ADHD, uh, autism, uh, all, all those kind of challenges that are becoming increasingly relevant these days, I think. Yeah, it, it, really interesting. That, that, that was a great little um, uh, uh, monologue there. And w one of the things that I think about when I, when I look through the documentation for it is, and, and I always sort of, it's really like what the road transport industry needs to realize is that in many ways like we've always we've always actually been been here because um what i mean by that is road transport is very much an industry where i know lots of employers who go um you know i, I as long as you can do the job you know they have a very tight uh expectation like as i grew up you know i don't care who you are what you are if you can count the bloody freight and get a signature I'll pay, I'll pay you to do it, you know? And so, and, and I've seen that play out so many times, you know, um, in my career. And also, how often in our industry do you see a really successful person who owns a business who tells you, oh, I was absolutely hopeless at school, I was bloody useless, they didn't even know what dyslexia was back then, and I had it, and I couldn't learn, but I just was able to do stuff, and I went out and built a business. So the, the actual 
the, the opportunities that road transport actually offers the diverse community. So if they are listening to this, if you want an industry that actually has, an, in many occasions, quite a low judgmental bar, a bar that is set around your capacity to do and, and the opportunities to grow something from nothing if you weren't that great behind the books, this is actually a fantastic industry option. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think that point when, when we were talking to our to our members and our, some of our diversity champions about what, what what was really important to include in this toolbox, it was exactly around what what you're saying there is that traditionally it is an industry where people who haven't had perhaps a traditional academic background or haven't seen you know um, haven't seen tertiary studies is the right fit for them have just gone in there due to the fact that. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic industry to work in. There's a lot of freedom. You're not tied to a desk and not not staring at paperwork all day. And it's all about acknowledging that the industry has been really supportive of that. But, you know, there's, there's always kind of some additional steps you can take. So, for example, in our guide that we've got out, Supporting Your Employees Guide, we basically step through some strategies that you can do to support neurodivergent employees that you might have. So just as an example, um, just, just as a couple of steps here, the first issue is, is just raising the awareness and you know maybe uh, put up some resources around your workplace or maybe um, you know, look, look at some resources online from different resources just to educate your employees about neurodiversity and encourage open conversations around that. Because that, that point that you said before is that a lot of people, you know, before dyslexia was, was really common knowledge, I think a lot of people just kind of work, you know, just kind of got on with the job. But I think that if you're really encouraging good conversations in the workplace around, look, we're acknowledging that here, here are some different um, neurodiver neurodivergent um, varieties and here's, you know, we're open to supporting people with that. That's a really good step. And then once you get those conversations happening, you can look at what kind of, we, we call them reasonable accommodations you can make. So what kind of small steps can you take to make sure that, you know, a dyslexic driver is going to be able to perform their best in your workplace? And there's lots of ideas, whether it's, um, you know, making sure that instructions or company documents are really easily legible, they're in plain English, um, and, and you're giving all employees adequate time to, you know, read different instructions or emails that they might get through. There's also cool sort of visual aids that you can get if people are using, uh, you know, a, a tablet or a computer screen, just to make sure that, um, yeah, just to make sure that these difficulties that they might be having uh, don't don't stop them from from being really successful in the industry. Yeah, great, excellent, and that that's actually a perfect segue into the next uh, into the next little uh, bit I was going to talk about. Proactively down that path is is the diversity champions. Um, in the businesses that that has that are all part of of, of this program of, of work that you're doing. So do you, do you want to talk to a bit about like who who they are in the businesses? Yeah, absolutely. So so back in 2022, uh, we Transport New Zealand put the call out for for nominees across the industry um, who who really demonstrate through their own story or through the work that they do um, in their companies that commitment to diversity and inclusion to supporting employees. And so that came up with a, a cohort of 10 people that's from truck drivers to managers and business owners. So I've got several young truck drivers, including a couple of um, young female drivers. We've got um, sort of corporate leads and large and larger companies and sort of fuel and energy companies as well. 
and all the way to health and safety advisors within larger companies and, and those CEOs and company leaders. So across that group, uh, you had men and women, uh, a wide range of ages, um, some uh, ethnic and racial diversity across that group. And in 2022, we were able to host a workshop at TNZ's uh, Transport New Zealand's offices. Um, this program is also supported by the other two uh, national associations, NRC and um, NZ Trucking. And basically, it was a great opportunity to get these uh, industry role models together. They're able to network, sort of discuss what their priorities are. And then it was, it was a professionally facilitated workshop. So it was also basically about upskilling these people and about how to turn their stories and you know their successes and promote that within their companies and within the wider industry. Because just just for me, um, you know, I, I come from a I come from a legal background, so I was a practicing lawyer, and you know, the comparison between company, you know, culture between law firms and transport is remarkable. Like law firms are the first to blow their own horn about how great they're doing and all the great work that's going on. But in transport, like personally, we know that our members are doing a huge amount, but you don't necessarily hear about it. You know, our Young Driver of the Year award winner last year was being supported by their company to do some remote study of the business analytics at university. We know that um, two drivers were job sharing a line haul truck on the Christchurch to Nelson route. You know, and, and we've got other corporate members of ours putting all their managers through a sort of first aid uh, mental health course through St. John. So there's all that kind of good work. But if we're not telling those stories, uh, then, then I, I don't think the industry is getting credit for the good work it's doing. Oh, look, absolutely. And, and I think if there's one... One clarion call that that the uh, previous CEO of your organisation, Nick Leggett, used to used to make on a regular basis is we have to tell road transport's story far better than we do. Um, oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I completely agree with that. Absolutely. And um, yeah, so, so for example, a great example, one of our um, one of our diversity champions, uh, you know, who who helped us develop these resources reported to us the other day that they run a long transport business and 23% you know, of their driver workforce is female now. And, you know, the analogy, the story she, she tells is, you know, back when she was a bit younger, she used to get told that women weren't cut out for long transport. You know, so, so even in the last few years, I think there's been some really positive movement in that space. And I think that, you know, um, the increase in female drivers is, is fantastic. But I also sort of think that, promoting the importance of um, supporting racial and ethnic diversity, supporting, you know, um, rainbow applicants that you might have in the workforce, people who, um, and people, older and younger people at both extremes, helping them into the industry when it might not be their first career. That's, that's all really important as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so it, our next step in terms of this little uh, this little journey that, that that we're on, talking about the diversity toolkit, and we're going to, fo is following up this interview with Billy where he lays out the, the what and the and the why, and we're going to in the next couple of months we're going to um, talk to a couple of those diversity champions in uh, in the industry and get a first hand uh, feedback from them on, on how it's gone and and the benefits uh, to them. We're gonna that we'll introduce uh, both of them in the coming months and have a chat to them. And uh, but the, I suppose the takeaway message is is that there is, if you broaden your horizons, there's a far broader pool to uh, choose from when it comes to um, staffing the game, so to speak, players on the field. And so um, 
Billy Clemens, uh, thank you very much for giving us what has been a good 20 minutes uh, of really enlightening and insightful and interesting uh, discussion. And we hope that we, we can help plant the seed of uh, change of thought uh, in the industry. Oh, thanks very much, Dave. And just finally, just a big shout out to our um, corporate sponsor and supporter of this program, Telecheck Nadman New Zealand. Uh, they've really helped us set up these really high quality resources that are available to everyone to get mailed out or downloaded. And they're at roadtosuccess.nz. So it'd be great to be winning check those out. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, we'll come back to you later in a few months down the track and see how it's all going. This is the Keep On Moving podcast, and that is it for 2024. We're back into our our new format, slightly elongated format, and as you can tell, uh, there's so much stuff uh, we've managed to uh, to get and and, uh, uh, curate for you um, for the end of the year, and you'll be able to listen to this for months into the future. But we are aiming at uh, another one, I guess, in February, Dave, right? Yep, we will be. Yep, that's going to be a biggie. It's going to be very much focused on what happens at Mystery Creek on the 3rd of February with the Kenworth uh, 100-year and 60-year celebrations. Um, And so there'll be lots of content in and around that. Oh, one more thing uh, before we wrap it up here today. Ah, the beautiful noise. So I'll stop it right there, and I'll get Dave to tell you, <laughs> tell you well, what it is. That can only be one thing. That is the unmistakable sound of a big yellow caterpillar motor. That's a uh, Kenworth drop side, like a rural speck. I couldn't make out whose it was, dropping into the big sister on the desert road, heading south, and uh, what a glorious noise. Uh, the, the days when you could speak the big yellow motors in, uh, in your truck. So uh, that that sound will warm the hearts of many listening today. Thank you, Dave. That's it, the Keep On Moving podcast for 2023. We'll be back in 2024. If you like what you hear on any one of the platforms you may be listening to us on, please um, give them a big tick. Thank you. Goodbye. This podcast is brought to you by the team at New Zealand Trucking Magazine. Remember to get your hands on the latest issue from your favourite retailer or subscribe now at nztrucking.co.nz. Keep on moving. The official podcast of New Zealand Trucking Media.